0: Joining me, Fox McLeod, in this issue, Peppy Hair.
1: In ten years' time, I will be your boss and you will be podcasting with styluses.
0: Falco Lombardi.
2: Best character in the game.
3: Slippy Toad. Save me! Why am I a Slippy Toad? It's what James
0: decided. It's my fault.
1: <sighs> I figured you were Slippy. That fits. The
0: personality traits do yeah. fit remarkably.
3: You uh, are a Slippery Toad, Darren. You call me an idiot?
0: Lovable uh, genius.
3: I don't love (laughs) Slippy.
0: Well, at least some people love Slippy, unlike Falcon. So, here we are, finally, um, the Star Fox podcast, or the Lilac Wars podcast, or the Starwing podcast. Uh, Let's talk about the nomenclature, because Mm. it has to be done, and we need to bust some myths as well. Um, Myths which I've peddled recently myself. Uh, doing that thing of of regurgitating uh information um having even forgotten that I'd read about the truth in the meantime uh the story always went that uh, there were there were two previous games called star fox in in the u k uh, or yeah star fox on the Uh, Atari 2600 in 1983, uh, a a 2D space shooter, and Star Fox, the 1987 3D space shooter for the 8-bit computers. Um, And of course, it was only six years after that game that uh, Nintendo released Star Fox, but apparently it's not the case. So Dylan Cuthbert, who we will hear much of now of Q Games, of course. Um, who are responsible for porting Lilac Wars or Star Fox 64, we'll have to get past this, over over <laughs> onto the 3DS, was asked by Damien McFerrin of Nintendo Life about the, uh, the, the renaming from Star Fox in Japan and Star Space Fox in the US to Star Wing in Europe. He says, I can't be sure, but I seem to remember vaguely someone at Nintendo telling me that there was a company or something called Star Vox in Germany. And because F is pronounced like a V... Uh, there, they had to change the name to avoid confusion. I think by the time Star Fox Command and Star Fox 3D came out, the company was defunct, or perhaps the lawyers simply decided there was no product confusion anymore. Uh, the only story I know is the Starbox one, but it because it was an interesting problem, and which is why I remember it. Jez San, uh, now th- this also ties into the development of the game, so Jez San's team were of course called Argonaut, you can work out the pun for yourself, um, these were this was the UK developer who had made Star Glider and Star Glider Two, and they sent Dylan Cuthbert to work on on the code of Star Fox to make this 3D game, which was something Nintendo hadn't really mm. spent a lot of time with before polygons and all that. And Argonaut made the Super effects chip, which facilitated such uh, graphical 3D graphical frippery on the SNES. Uh, and Jes San said Dylan was right. Uh, about the star vox thing that's what nintendo told us Uh, he said that in a thick german accent star fox sounded too much like star vox so to avoid a court case that might risk risk delaying the launch of the game they changed it so there it is nothing to do apparently with star fox or star fox but we got star wing nonetheless and star wing made certain sense because the ships were called R wings and they were a, a, a wing of craft, and that was fine. Yeah, so obviously one of the first things about this game is the anthropomorphic crew of uh, fox, frog, hare, and uh, bird of prey, falcon. Uh, of some kind, quite
1: wind in the willows esque. Yeah.
0: Um, now, obviously, it brings up. I think you mentioned it on our forum. Uh, it's it's, it, it's sort of the the whole furries thing. But I, I think, and and as I understand it, this was yeah. uh, Miyamoto's um, typically whimsical touch to the whole thing. Rather than have you know a typical 3D space shooter with you know spacemen in helmets that look like you know X-wing pilots and or stormtroopers or whatever. Uh, let's be Nintendo about it and do something interesting. And at the time, I I mean, I was, when, when Star Fox came out, Star Wing over here, oh God, I'm tied up in it already. (laughs) Um, uh, It was, it was the summer of 93 when it came out and I didn't yet have a SNES, but I was still of that slight age where I probably kind of thought um, it was a bit goofy having, uh, having cutesy animals in a a space Mm. shooter. But over the years, I came to love it and realized that it was, Mm. Brilliantly adorable. How do how the, the rest of you feel about uh, a space shooter with animals? <laughs> I think the animals are a good touch because it's when when
2: they're on the screen, they immediately portray a certain kind of attitude, a certain persona. So you you know what you're going to get from from Falco Cocky. because his, his pointy features, you know, Annoying. he's the bird of prey. You know that a, you're going to get an arrogant character, whereas with Slippy, you're going to get this sort of lovable but kind of dumb <laughs> sort of uh, creature, uh, crew member. And (laughs) for me, it always worked. I mean, I don't know if it was necessarily my age or or the era of the games. Um, I I honestly can't even remember when I got Starwing. My whole sort of around the launch of the the SNES to when I actually got one and what came in Mm -hmm. before and after is is all all of a bit of a muddle, I just remember. It seems to be one of those games that was just in my collection suddenly th- um, it,
0: it was ubiquitous strange. i think at the time you three would have all been what age when uh, roughly ten. The, 10 10 ish yeah,
1: 11
0: yeah. yeah 9 10 yeah. yeah um so i can imagine to 9 10 11 year old boys it would have been more of an issue possibly to play a a space shooter with cutesy animals in it rather than or maybe it was more adorable uh, <laughs> I never saw them as cutesy animals.
2: They were just they were just characters in the game. It, I suppose I don't know if it necessarily affected me in that regard. I, I guess some people it did. I, I think it would certainly pose more of an issue now when you've got the, you know, we're all in the in the era of military shooters that you probably can't be seen playing as cutesy characters. But you know, this is the era of where we were playing with Mario mm. and, and Yoshi had just come around and, well, and Sonic as well. I, Sonic but was most a big. people liked him, yeah. And you had Tails and and these these kind of characters weren't so much. You know, you weren't so really afraid to touch them. If you if yeah, you said, sure. oh, yeah, I played, I played Starwing, and p- people wouldn't go, oh, the game with the stupid
0: cute characters. Mm. They'd
2: be, oh, right, okay, yeah, the spaceship. I, th- I, d-
0: I do remember, obviously, being... I was t- 10 years older than the fellas when it came out, and I do remember there being some sort of uh, slight, you know, confusion about the juxtaposition. Like, you, you're absolutely right, of course, you know, people were playing... This was the era of the mascot platformer and mm. all that sort of thing. But I think it was the juxtaposition between a genre that was traditionally quite sort of serious and dry with with mm-hmm. the with the fox yeah. and the and the bird and all
2: and, and i think at that era you still had you know people were still caught up in the cult classic of elite i mean even now people are still caught up in the cult classic of elite so back then you know anything that was and that was sort of a very dry space game and i think you know anyone was still trying to get into that 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 genre of game, people really loved the, the the space shooter, and I think this was maybe Nintendo's way to their own stamp on a game. Uh,
0: James, did you? I, I think you only caught up with this game recently, didn't you? Uh,
2: yeah, yeah. It, um, it's fair to
1: say that I was aware of Star Fox, Star Wing, but um, to me, the only interaction I'd had with the character was um, through Smash Brothers and other Nintendo. Um, just kind of knowing it as an inte- knowing Star Fox as a Nintendo character or Fox McCloud Um and uh, and under understanding what the game was but never having played it. I'm not sure why, it's just it never popped up as a as a game that any of my friends were talking about on Super Nintendo, so I never got wind of it and therefore never picked it up. Nowadays of course you can't buy a Super Nintendo on eBay without
3: having a copy of Starwing.
0: Yeah. Darren, when did you uh, pick this up? Did you have a SNES in '93? In June?
3: Uh, it was my older brother's SNES. So, you know, ah, I, me having access to it was based on him going out and me sneaking into his bedroom. You know, they, they had like a rubbish lock on his door that was basically just like a little, like an Allen key. So I just got any other talk, type of Allen key-esque thing and just went his door <laughs> open, snuck in there and played some Super NES. And I remember going around my younger brother's friend's house, and he also had a game that looked very similar called Stunt Race FX, and these mm. two games just sort of. It came later. Yeah, the, the visual style of both of them though just made me just think, oh, like, "This is amazing." And then you start seeing it on a, on Games Master and adverts and stuff like that, and I was immediately intrigued by. This
0: is the future, 3D. Me. Yeah, for me, uh I I got finally got a SNES. Um it was after the Christmas that they released Super Mario All Stars and um I think it was yeah, it was that summer that um Starwing and uh Street Fighter Two Turbo came out on the SNES. Um I didn't have a lot of money. I'd recently left home uh you know, spending money on going out and having a girlfriend and stuff like that. Um, But I did have my Amiga and Mega Drive, so I didn't feel the need. But I started to become more and more and more aware through magazines like Mean Machines and CMVG that, uh, and this is something that is still true with me today, that I was missing out on certain exclusives that were only available on a particular format. So as much as I was completely happy with what I was playing on my Amiga and Mega Drive, um, I knew that if I wanted to play Super Mario All-Stars and indeed Starwing, uh, and the best version, the best home version of Street Fighter 2. I needed a SNES, so I saved up £200, I think it was, by early '94, uh, and uh, bought my Street Fighter 2 Turbo SNES pack, which was very exciting. Um, you yeah, have to remember, I was 20, yeah, 21 at this point. Not too old to be excited by such things. I, I'm sure everyone who listens to this will agree. Um
1: There is no tool to be excited
0: about such especially new toys, indeed. And Mm. you have to remember, you know, the SNES had been around a couple of years in in Europe at this point, but it was still, like, in in many ways considered to be, you know, the, the... the technological powerhouse of machines other than going down the PC route at this stage.
1: It was the first time you could really play arcade games in the home uh, certainly to me, to my mind it was
0: Well the Mega Drive was doing a fine job with Strider and Ghouls and Ghost but yeah it was I remember it was an expensive game because obviously it had the Super FX chip in which was as we said developed by Argonaut in the UK specifically for this purpose and of course Mm -hmm. it ended up being used in a a bunch of other, well not a huge amount, a few games and then there was a a modified version which was used in uh, Super Mario World to Yoshi's Island and a couple of other things. Doom, I think, used the Super Effects too, as well as all the work from you know the fine work from Dylan Cuthbert and the Argonaut guys. Uh, the designer uh, is credited as Katsuya Eguchi, who worked very closely, I believe, with Miyamoto on Super Mario Brothers Three and Super Mario World, amongst other things. So not exactly um, a bad CV. Uh, Miyamoto, of course, was producer on a project. And The Musician, uh, it's got an unusual sounding soundtrack, and that's possibly a lot to do with the fact that uh, Hajime Hirasawa um, only ever did two games, as far as I know, in his entire career, uh, the previous one of which I'd never heard of before. I can't rem- can not even remember what it's called, but it's something very obscure. Then he did Star Fox, and that was it.
1: Really strange, isn't it, given the list of, well, not a list of, but certainly when the titles popped up or the credits popped up, it was it was almost a who's who of, here's a list of people you know the names of. Yeah. And and certainly to me now, not knowing the involvement of those people. I mean, Miyamoto's name is kind of a given. It's a Nintendo game. Mm-hmm. He's going to be in there somewhere, probably. Um, but yeah, the other names, it was like, okay, yeah, I recognize all these people. And Dylan Cuthbert made immediate sense, but I just hadn't expected it. So to have a composer that isn't someone you would expect to see at the end of a Nintendo game. Mm. Nowadays, you know, there are names you would expect to see around that era. Um, yeah, strange one.
0: Now, I must confess uh, to to listeners that I haven't played the original Starwing. Um, f- I possibly had a quick go of it on emulation at some point in the last 20 years, but I completed it back in 1994, soon after I bought it, and hardly played it since. Uh yeah. Other than the micro game within one of the WarioWares. Oh, yeah. A, um, a... <laughs> but that, that, was, that was awesome. it doesn't really count (laughs) Um, so I haven't actually I haven't caught up with this soundtrack now the SNES obviously was again was uh, had one of the best sound chips around that time you know Mm. it was doing pianos and trumpets and things that other consoles couldn't do not to dismiss the astonishing work of some people on the Mega Drive but um, the SNES probably had it was probably easier for people to work with and it's got some legendary soundtracks Um, so uh, how does the Starwing Star Fox music stand up?
3: The influence and stuff out of 64, or like it was, like they definitely feel like they belong in the same universe, which they should do. Um But what the Star Wing soundtrack to me, it kind of evokes what the Snes is all about, as well as links to the past and other games. They've got their own unique sounds that you couldn't really replicate on any other console. Um It's really hard to describe. I can't really do a. A foley version of it for you, but, um, hopefully yeah. I can put some music in and give it a good, yes, jump. please, yes, definitely. Yeah, and it, it really suits the mood. I just love it. Like, even the sound effects, stuff like that, that go with the music, like when they're all running through the tunnel and they're ready to, like, you know, jump into the R wing and head out of the base. It, it's the best thing. It's the best. My favorite part of this game playing it recently was the music because it just, it just encapsulates what's happening on our screen, you know, it, like in terms of the vibe and the atmosphere and stuff. It's, mm. yeah, it's really good. I'm surprised that he hasn't done anything since like you'd think starwing quite high profile for the super NES, you know it's very unless very unless
0: someone wants to contact us and and let us know but i I searched the internet today and it appears to be that was his his uh, second and final uh work as a video game music composer mm. james or carl did you get into the music of starwing
1: i was surprised obviously only playing it i mean literally last weekend i sat there yeah, and played course. starwing yeah. for the first time um I was surprised I'd I'd forgotten how much you could do on a Super Nintendo, uh, in terms of sound. Um, I was surprised that orchestral might be the wrong word, Mm. but that's, you know, as you're saying, you really get a sense that you can tell the instruments apart, which wasn't something I kind of expected, Mm. um, for some reason, not sure why, um, it just, you know, 20 years ago seems like a long time. Um, and maybe I'd just forgotten what was, was possible on there. Um. Yeah I think it, it will come to um obviously late, the later games later on. It's very different um, isn't it? It's, uh, I remember
0: that's yeah, what I recall yeah, it's it's, it's yeah. got a more I don't know slightly more austere sort of sound to, than the, whereas the whole the...
2: pacing of the music in is very different to to I mean they're yeah. similar in style but the pacing mm. of the music's very different to to the later mm. games in the series and even in my younger years, where I played this around ten years old, I wasn't too keen on the music, and um, and I've got to say, it's still the case now. I I think it's quite cool. A bit like like Darren said, when you when you're running to enter your ship and and that stuff. The thing that I always enjoyed the most was the sound effects, the mm. the the Nova bombs and the the barrel rolls, and and as the, as the shots go whizzing by, mm. always seemed so much cooler to me playing that game than the actual music. Um. But that's not to say obviously the the music just wasn't for me um it it
0: i guess it wasn't for nintendo unique. either because they <laughs> didn't yeah. use them again
2: I, it just didn't have the nintendo magic that so many other games at that time did you know you you got the great soundtrack of of, of we've mentioned street fighter 2 because it, it was at a very similar time you got the iconic themes in that game you got the brilliant music from super mario world and stuff and then this just sort of sits sort of idly by the side as one of the the SNES's most premier exclusive titles and then it was just it felt almost second rate to me and
0: I think the whole thing uh had a slightly unusual feel but I think it was probably Nintendo's first collaboration with a western developer I could be wrong about that I haven't looked it up but it was certainly an unusual thing back then um mm. far it's become less unusual for them to work with other developers eastern and western um and yeah, you know, th- this game, obviously Carl mentioned elite, but um, probably more pers- Elite was obviously a more deeper space thing, but certainly relevant to Starglider, which this game can be traced back to, which is yeah. uh, Argonaut's previous work, um, which was obviously also hugely influenced by the Star Wars Ataris. 1983 Star Wars coin op, um, and when you know, when Star Glider came out first on the ST in about 1986 seven ish, um, it was uh, you know it was gobsmacking to have these graphics at home. Then they followed it up with Star Glider Two, which was uh, more more highly rated critically, but. I'm not sure if if uh, the game was interesting it had had a lot more ideas and it had solid shaded polygons and it was it was it was incredibly impressive it was one of those games I would load up just to look at on my Amiga if not to actually to try to complete it um I remember it getting like crazy review scores in Zap 64 and stuff like that but um these were these were the space shooters those you know these weren't those weren't the only ones we could trace them back further but these were traditionally a a Western genre, certainly something, a kind of game, the 3D shooter that we associated with the West, whereas NES and, NES and then SNES were more associated with things like side-on platforms. There was, of course, the great NES version of Elite and things like that, so by no means exclusive. And it was kind of a weird... The whole thing kind of felt... Didn't feel like a Nintendo game in some ways, other than it was almost like they made the sp- the space pilots animals, so that yeah. there was the... Because I thought if it had just been bog-standard pointy spaceships with bog-standard pilots in it could have been by anyone
2: it does feel like it's a real amalgamation and it was almost like it was awkward it it, it, very awkward in development it was the sounds come from one area the the visual the visuals and the the processor from another place and the the influences as you mentioned very much western in that game uh had they were great benchmark games to match but it did feel like this was a real sort of coming together of cultures and there was certainly a clash when playing it. You could see that, as you mentioned, it certainly wasn't iconic Nintendo. you know it was by the characters yeah they could like you say it could really could have been anyone that made that game other than it felt solid. And it had the cute characters, so it probably was Nintendo.
0: Playing it at the time, Darren, did you love it as much? You know, because like this got this game got amazing reviews, but there was mm. always the feeling that maybe part part of that was the wow factor. You know, 3D graphics, 3D mm. space shooter, and 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 all that. Um, I played it as an older person outside of the hype zone, and I enjoyed it well enough. Um, but I didn't think it was a, a Nintendo classic, much like Carl's saying. Like it was good, it was a decent space shooter, but I'd played more sort of more enjoyable games in some ways on other systems the barrel roll was cool you know the double tap shoulder button obviously the controls were tight it felt like a nintendo game it had lots of easter eggs and secrets but it didn't feel like it wasn't like i can't stop playing this game like i like was the case with other snes titles
3: it's kind of hard to tell, because I was only 10 years old at the time, so video games for me... You're were, an idiot, basically. Yeah, well, I still am, but yeah. Uh, <laughs> video games are pretty much just a pop-in, pop-out, you know, with the SNES cartridge, just pull them out, pop another one in, Sunset Riders, like, five, ten minutes, pop it out. So it was all very, like, uh, you know, sporadic gameplay for me, and, you know, Star, Starwing back in the day, Star Fox, it doesn't really stick in my mind as a classic, Uh, you know. The, the visuals did appeal to me, because 10 years old, you know. Um, reading that, my motto was a fan of Thunderbird so that's why he wanted his puppets like animal puppets in the game. But appeals to that. Oh uh, uh, yeah, because is...
0: that's the uh, the the promotional um, materials uh, featured in the same way as they do with Pikmin these days mm. uh, with the clay models. Well, I say these days for the last ten years, but. Uh, yes, a lot of the promotional stuff um, we're going to use it as our cover is sort of yeah they're sort of um, puppets yeah, aren't the, they? they're like,
3: the, the photographs. Yeah, on the front cover. So yeah, the, you know that definitely appeals to that era and therefore that you know the, the child of that era as well. So for me, it was all about the visuals and the characters and their blah 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 blah. You know all the all those kind of noises. So actually playing it was just like, like tease, yeah. just play the first level and reset maybe. You know what I mean? So back you know back then I, c- I couldn't really tell you whether I enjoyed it or not. It just stuck in my mind as a fun, good-looking game.
0: So more pertinently then, um, obviously, yeah, there's a certain amount of fond memories um, for it, but more pertinently, the three of you, what's it like to play Star Fox, the original Star Uh, One? Now It's awful. Is it really awful?
3: It is Hmm. awful, yeah. It is honestly one of the most frustrating experiences I've had this year. Yeah, and... That's that's. It, I feel really bad saying that because this game is twenty years old and it was a technical powerhouse. We've played.
0: We've we've. There are games that are older than that that stand up much yeah. better. Yeah.
3: Yeah, and it does feel like this game was all about the tech. You know, it was all about. You know, Argonaut got. Didn't Argonaut get noticed because they managed to hack a Game Boy cartridge to feature their logo instead of the Nintendo logo?
2: Yes, and that the- that's the story I always remember. Mm. Was back in the days of. of you know, the modified splash screens. Yes, that's Argonaut right. actually took theirs over on a cartridge.
3: Because they probably thought they were like... Nintendo thought they were like, you know, the kings. Uh, you know, yeah. you, you couldn't take them down. And then this little upstart from Britain come along. You know, we actually uh, hacked your Game Boy cartridge. How would you feel about that? And, you know, they took them uh, under their wing. Playing Starwing, yeah, like I say, recently, it, it just smells like the, the game wasn't balanced at all for... Any enjoyment, Uh, you know, being naive (laughs) back in the day, you know, you just think, "Yeah, okay, I got hit from behind by a thing that I couldn't see. That's fun, yeah, stowing." And now you're playing, you're like, "I can't, can't." you can't
0: loop in this one, can you? Can't loop,
3: no. The barrel roll doesn't really do much. It sort of evades things, but you can't reflect the bullets. Well, I couldn't anyway. Uh, I don't know what that says about me, but." I think it's, I think it's a lot to
2: the timing and the frame rates and oh. stuff on the game. I always found it one of those things that was a lot trickier to do on the on the PAL version. Mm. I was going to um, say but- I'm
0: wondering about because y- if you fellas are playing it on emulation, I don't think James did actually. You played it on a, no, on a PAL SNES, didn't you? So this yeah. will be interesting, yeah. but um playing it on emulation, you're probably playing it at a, a maximum frame rate yeah. <laughs> whereas the actual the PAL version even as I say I recall in particular and I suspect it was still true, but to a slightly lesser extent of the NTSC versions, it was actually, sometimes you'd double tap for a barrel roll and it just wouldn't respond because mm-hmm. it was lagging.
3: The The problem with Starwing is that it feels really arbitrary and illogical. Like, uh, the the silver rings don't really tell you what they do when you pick them up and how you get them. The gold ring, I don't know if there is gold rings, but like, the items in the game don't really tell you much in terms of feedback and what happens. You know, There are obvious ones like the laser upgrade and stuff, but for the most part, I was thinking... What does this do in Lilac Wars? When you pick up a gold ring, it notifies you in game. It goes ding, so you know there's a gold ring on the screen. You fly through it, and then it fills one of the hollow gold rings up in the top, and you feel free. Of yeah, and once
1: you get three, yeah, yeah, you, you get got your... the
3: upgrade. And here. then it's not just that, but like it just feels like random polygons are out to kill you. Like there's no logic to the enemies. <laughs> like things are falling from out the out screen where you can't see, and you're sort of you're sort of breaking and then boosting to get through the the shutter doors. But I always felt like I was getting caught in them, you know. Mm. And yeah proof of concept or tech demo or you know stuff like that and really?
0: actually I think there's a lot that uh, you could certainly consider Star Fox 64 a remake rather than a sequel oh, definitely. It's, it's kind of like the game that, that they tried yeah. to do they, they were kind of biting off more that they could chew even with the Super FX chip perhaps mm. James oh, yeah. so you played it on PAL SNES in 2013 And <laughs> in uh, 2013 Um, Your experience, please. I
1: have the the benefit of having a SNES that I can uh, flip between 50 hertz and
0: 60 hertz more Ah, okay. Did you actually compare and contrast to see what we had to endure? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I did. Uh, How much Um, difference does it make? Big difference. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, We've talked about this before, haven't we? Because people talk about the... um, the 17% difference, and it depends on which way you are
0: going. Yes, I have now finally, at the age of 41, understood this. So <laughs> so PAL so, games are 16.7% slower, but NTSC games are 17.5% faster.
1: Must- uh, well, it's sort of. <laughs> so if, if you're going from a PAL game to uh, an NTSC game, it's 20% quicker. If you are playing the NTSC game and taking that as the standard, which if you were in America or, you know, you would, and stepping down, then it's the 16.7%. So all the magazines that were writing about it were taking the NTSC version of the standard and saying we've got this 16% slower game. But actually because we in this country were playing PAL versions generally, unless you knew enough to import you know straight off the off the bat when you go to uh, you know you switch up to the 60 hertz version it's 20 percent quicker and that is a big difference Mm. there's no two ways about it it feels just so so much quicker it was also Um,
2: frustrating because at the time all the magazines that were reviewing this game and the reviews that we were reading were obviously playing the import games so they they couldn't actually judge down Mm -hmm. it was always sort of a, a post editorial it would always be in like Usually two issues time, they would say, oh, and then they'd mention... When the letters came yeah, in. Yeah, they'd yeah, yeah. mention, oh, yeah, the PAL version is, you know, it does does yeah. have a hit. Uh, but yeah. the reviews Some, they were playing, yeah. they say, oh, it was always quick and smooth and stuff. It was like, <laughs> it's a different experience. No,
0: it, yeah, and sometimes it, a lot of uh, magazines took the editorial stance that they simply wouldn't, they would ignore this stuff because it didn't serve them well to be advertising the fact that we were getting you know, demonstrably inferior products. Yeah, they yeah. were trying to
1: get excitement and hype towards yeah. video games of course. that they were then and saying.
0: The, and I do understand, you know, we, we yeah. get some people say to us, you know, well, you know, I played Starwing as a kid on my pal's nest and I loved it. And and that's fine. And we're not saying that isn't the case. It but, doesn't the, invalidate but, anyone's absolutely. Uh, experiences, of course not. But, but, but the fact is, we in Europe were getting stiffed with... Wildly inferior versions of video games, and and it's no it's no good saying that you know well that's you know that's just the European version. The fact is, these games were made in Japan. Yeah, the people making them, and be,
1: testing them, were
0: testing them at exactly. full speed. Yeah, and as absolutely. I say, imagine imagine now if if a game came out you know, worldwide launch on, you know, whatever, whether it was Call of Duty, say, came out and the version we were playing in Europe was 20%, <laughs> you know, roughly, or thereabouts, uh, different speeds to the one that they were playing in America. Can you imagine the internet? Yeah, and, and, and imagine, rightly imagine so. if we were in a world where we didn't get a game until
1: two years after well, the release elsewhere. Well, that as well, yeah. But also... But um, still
0: premium,
2: we were paying, at the time, it was uh, a yeah, huge yeah, price not. increase over what Japan and America were paying we
0: only waited 5 months for um for for start yeah, star and we got you yeah, know and started and, started. and yeah you know it, it was a it it, it was an amazing time to be a gamer as every time has been basically since gaming began in, in a lot of ways, but we were getting more expensive games with that were inferior and often had crappy renames <laughs> as well. Um, and, uh, and various things like that. But, um, and it's also worth saying that a lot of people who were importing thought they were being smart and importing, but they were also playing the games at PAL speeds because they were using because a converter TVs. cartridge or because the <laughs> TV they were using didn't support yeah. 60 Hertz. Um, so yes, that that was a bit of a thing. So I, yeah, yeah,
1: my my experience uh, last weekend was hooking up a Super Nintendo via uh, just a standard aerial cable oh, to, to a HD oh, <laughs> imagine how good that looks! Whoa. You can the
0: best the best image you can get. This is worth just consumer advice for, from a SNES mm. is SVHS. If your yeah. if your TV supports SVHS, I don't know. Do they still have SVHS in? I think mine does.
1: Yeah, I think some some would... Or you could probably get a pass-through converter to some other... Connection. Or at least,
2: but... at least a string chain of three different converters to finally find one that it can actually <laughs> I think accept. the signal degrades the then, doesn't it, though? Yeah, but, um, yeah I, th- I think yeah, you yeah. Can, so... if, you, if you sort of up, go up at the time, you could sort of go up to an S-Video. It wouldn't decrease too much, but, mm. you know, it was... When people were going from SCART downwards, you would you would lose a lot of uh, video quality. Best thing yeah. you can
0: do is uh, other than that is get a uh, get a, your SNES RGB SCART modded so it so it, yeah. so it displays RGB. But um, it it's worth doing because when you play uh, SNES games on the Wii U Virtual Console, which are now uh, standard 60 hertz running running through HDMI, they look fucking beautiful. beautiful. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, they're very much- Sorry, James, derailed again. Carry on. <laughs> no, no, I was going
1: to say, so by virtue of the cables I had available to me, I was playing it uh, like that and started off playing the 50 hertz version um, mm. and was struggling a bit, uh, not least of all, because as I tweeted to you Leon, it doesn't tell you how to barrel roll unless I blinked <laughs> and missed it. Just, does it I just say do a barrel it's roll? It's in, in the manual. Do a barrel roll,
2: Kim. just do a does barrel Does
0: it actually so, so, say yeah, do a barrel Pepe's, roll in the first game. game? Just do a barrel roll.
1: Just go on, Fox, just do a barrel fuck. Oh. I know I know he I know he
0: famously says do a barrel roll in the sequel, but yes. um does he actually say do a barrel roll in Starwing or is that is that is that meme purely from un, un, 64? Unless
1: I'm um conflating my experiences, it definitely refers to doing barrel rolls okay. in the, in the game, so. Well, that's part of the problem um, I have
3: with Starwing is that you're you're focusing on the visuals so much that so all the text the bottom is not spoken in English or your native yeah. tongue it's all blah 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 and so you don't Why know what's is, going on Darren. Like, you can't tell what's going on your team aren't talking yeah. to you in any yeah. co- coherent yeah. language so you don't know what's it's going on it's one
2: of those you go and read the subtitles only to look up and realise you smashed into a fucking building because they decided to stick a tiny little window <laughs> between them that you can fly James through. you
0: were supposed to have read the manual you know uh, this was the days. This that- is
1: the other thing. I'm, I'm assuming that, like Darren was saying, with the silver rings and gold rings and, and whatnot. I'm assuming probably all that's explained, just like most of the story was in the manual, full color manual.
0: Um, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah.
1: So, but so I I started off playing at 50 hertz, unable to barrel roll. Um, it, it would have been a simple internet search, but I'm one of these. But I I kind of until I get absolutely stuck, like with playing. Um, uh, Castlevania, and not knowing how to save, okay. and going on Twitter and saying, <laughs> how do I save again? Because yeah. again, the, these games didn't tell you, because it was either in the manual, which you were supposed to have read, which frankly, I would have read, because in the car on the way home from buying the game, I'd have had the manual out, and that was part of the experience, mm-hmm. of course, but... Right, People always
2: bit, so. like to imagine that it's only the visuals, the the, the actual video quality, but it's actually the controller no, that input. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. It, yeah, it's that controller input that's affected, mm-hmm. arguably, more mm-hmm. than anything else, so... That's why something like Street Fire was so brilliant at, at hmm. full MTSC and not so clever at PAL and, and hmm. something where you've got to, it was a fast paced, you know, precision shooter at the time. Yeah. Or close to it. It really was affected when stepping down.
3: Yeah, I had this same like, same experience as James did with F Zero on the Wii U. Uh, you know, the Snes one. I'd always played F Zero on the Snes back in the day, and I was rubbish at it. Like you know, obviously being a, an idiot child and stuff like that. But now I'm an idiot adult, and I've got a bit more skills about me. But then I've realised that the sixty hertz was actually making me a lot better because of the input lag on, on the controls and yeah. stuff. It was nearly mode seven 10. stuff. Mode
0: seven stuff looks
3: great at sixty hertz. It really doesn't look that
0: impressive at fifty hertz. Yeah, <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, it's yeah. sad. Yeah. Sad but true
1: it is so I just found it an awful lot um, just it felt more intuitive Um, it's clear that the game was impressive for the time and I'd I'd sort of I'd hold back from saying that it's like a lot of those Playstation uh, original Playstation games where they were kind of doing a lot of 3D environments Mm. for the first time and and they weren't really working you Mm. know know that early 3D situation where you go back to it now and you think this is barely playable it was more just impressive that they could do it I'd hold back from saying that, but we're talking an era where I've played and loved Res, and for a 3D shooter like this, it's not Res. It probably—I'm I'm drawing a comparison that can't reasonably. There's a be huge, made, but...
0: huge gameplay difference between it and Res, which is yeah, that you actually much. have control of your of your movement <laughs> rather than just a cursor, which kind of is what yeah. separates it, other than yeah. the rhythm action stuff, but. Um,
1: but but the the fact that this type of game has now changed, it, it's not done like this anymore. And I don't know how many games on the Super Nintendo were really done like this, in all honesty.
0: Probably not many. And that's no, probably it was, why it started. So. There was a game, uh, Sega game called Buck Rogers Planet of Zoom which is a sort of precursor mm. to this. And as I say, various... Um, I mean, you know, if you look at the original Star Wars coin-op, you had a certain amount of movement over your... You were still controlling a cursor, but you could still actually steer... Well, they're
2: very much like the levels in Starwing. There are a few levels where you're actually inside the ship. Well, you can go first. Yeah, yeah, that's the, right. It goes
3: in first yeah. person. Who does that? Yeah. yeah, only a mental case does that. In yeah, sewing. it was crazy. Yeah. yeah,
0: but again, it was tech, wasn't it? You it know, was. It, this was at the time Sega were doing uh, trying to patent. In fact, I think successfully for a while their virtual cameras at the arcade. So you know, you had this array on a, a virtual racing machine of of five or six buttons, which were oh, the camera yeah. options, <laughs> and um, you know that was that was their thing. But uh, Nintendo did it anyway. In uh, by was it up on the no? Kind of been up on the deep end. select, I think. And and
1: I've got to say, and we'll probably come back to this later on when we talk about control schemes in later games, but um, the fact that obviously with a a SNES controller, you're so limited um, with the options you have available. So the only way they could really do it was to bring movement and aim together. So it feels really... If you were playing it on a controller where you had... Two analog sticks, a D-pad, and a bunch of buttons. It would feel ridiculous to do that, but on a Super Nintendo controller, it actually feels really playable. Still, mm. I think. I mean, it's not ideal, but um, it 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 feels. You get a hang, you know, of it pretty quickly, and you realise that what you're doing is aiming, and the way you're going, you just kind, you're you're leading yourself a little bit. Um, so I thought that was pretty impressive in terms of just their ability to to. To do that in order to make this game because that, that that was necessary to make the game the way they wanted to, to make it so yeah. um, I think the thing that stands out for me playing it now is it's clear it was technically impressive given this is a 20 year old game mm. um, but it's been superseded and, and Nintendo have superseded it themselves yeah. I think that's the important thing but only thing once, only once. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, but yeah it, it's it, it's I can see why it was an important game at the time. I, I'm I'm not sure it stands up when compared
0: to its its successor. You didn't think honest. it was awful as as Darren didn't. Oh, not
1: all, not awful, but it's it, it's weird because um, we're talking about British programmers going over to a Japanese company and and that sort of clash of cultures. If it, it, that comes through, it really does. You've got. A little flavour of Nintendo in there but not as much as as would happen with with the next game Um, you can see their touch on it but it feels like there's a lot of these ideas that they haven't quite worked out how to do, it's just that they can do it that makes it really something interesting and special
0: Dylan Cuthbert uh, said at GDC recently Uh, on this very subject we were very Mm. cocky British programmers thrown into this Japanese environment we were in awe and in shock at the same time about their process uh, as we went in intending to make a full 3D shooting game inspired by Starglider 2 but in the process I learned from Miyamoto that no idea must go into a game even if they are good this was very confusing for us, because at the time, British games were full of good ideas. We were at the forefront of 3D, even with isometric games back in 83. But what we did in Britain was just stuff all these ideas in and then sell it. It would sell, but people would find like half a game. Most of the ide- most of the games I bought in the 80s, I would never finish. Now, I can attest to this uh, as somebody who was mm. buying games back then. Yep, Games were full of genius, but very few games were actually completable. Uh, Cuthbert also describes how the game eventually became, uh, that eventually became Star Fox started out as a free roaming game, went through several designs adding and removing features before Miyamoto decided for the team that the game, (laughs) should stress that, Miyamoto decided for the team that the game would be a third person on-rails shooter. Cuthbert says, uh, had the team been in Britain... They wouldn't have stood for the change, but that Miyamoto taught him that you can build ideas and then, by destroying them, find other ideas hiding in the shadows. So it would have been a very different game and possibly the game uh, closer to uh, Star Fox 2, which we'll, we, which we'll briefly talk about. Um, so, yeah. uh, did it's you- a really interesting design philosophy, I think, because mm. yeah. th-
1: the whole point is just because you've got a cool idea doesn't mean it it works. It doesn't even mean the hardware or um, the 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 customer, the player, essentially, is ready for the idea. So, what you do is you don't just throw an idea at a game and hope that it makes the game better. You work out how the games going to be, and and if the ideas can slot in or part of the ideas work. Um, then, then that's what you do. I think, yeah, it's 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 interesting, and I think maybe it, Dylan Cuthbert. It sounds like feels like they adopted Miyamoto's philosophy. I I think it's somewhere a hybrid between the two. There's clearly a lot of ideas in Star Wing. Maybe they they rolled sort of rolled them back in order to get a Nintendo quality game, uh, um, you know, out out the door and onto the Super Nintendo, but. It still feels, yeah, it's an interesting uh, sort of I, philosophy. I think there's and also
2: a case, isn't there, that Miyamoto himself possibly knew the market better than anyone else at that period of time, whilst you know, Dylan Cuthbert could have done. You know, he he, he could have done it all three D. Miyamoto obviously felt that it's cool, but people don't don't want that. The market doesn't want that at the moment. This is the game they want. This is what we're going to do. Um, and you've got to say more often than not, he was right uh, with the decisions he'd made on other games. So you sort of tend to listen to him because, you know, he was essentially Mr. Nintendo. If they, if they needed something to sell, if they needed something big, huh. you got in touch with him. And you could still argue that's possibly still the case even now. Yeah.
0: So yeah, did uh, anyone manage to uh, unearth any of the Star Wing Easter eggs, the the giant fruit machine in space, or the warp zone, or things like that? I'm I'm struggling to remember these things. I know they
3: exist. No, I only recently found out via Twitter that uh, a giant fruit machine existed and stuff like that. So yeah, I've only just recently googled them and seen them, you know, in action on the YouTube and in various image forms. But yeah, otherwise, no, I didn't even know they were in the game at all. Sadly, Easter eggs. Yeah, I could barely get uh, through the easy route. Oh, you know on the on the emulated version, so let alone playing through many times to find secrets yeah no chance
0: I remember some psychedelic effects activated by going through various wormholes, but there was a similar thing in the yeah. in the sequel, and I can't remember if I'm muddling the two up, but I'm pretty sure the first game had something like that, and that may have may have been what led to the fruit machine um in space, but I can't actually remember the sort of benefits to using the fruit machine, but it's a very typically sort of British quirky Easter egg to have a, a giant floating fruit machine in, in, in the middle of your game. Um polygon games particularly, I'm thinking about um Mercenary and Damocles by Paul Wokes. They had, they were full of quirky three D humour. Um yeah, and you know, talking about this three D stuff being all new, I mean it's 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 crazy. Atari did a coin up called iRobot in eighty three, which was full coloured polygons and yeah, there was mercenary on the eight bit computers in the eight bit um in mid eighties and Things like that. There was that. What was that? FreeScape engine, uh, Driller, and Total Eclipse. But uh, 3D fast action, 3D polygon stuff. And actually, even like a handful of the polygons in Star Fox are, are textured, aren't they? With logos and stuff, or or decals of any some kind.
2: Yeah, it's it's sort of a sprite laid over the top of a of a of a 3D object. Um, Mode seven
0: sprite, probably. <laughs> yeah, it yeah. was.
2: Uh, it, it's. I always remembered the fruit machine. Uh, at the time I was, I'd read a lot of magazines, the like the likes of Zap and, and so forth. So it was because at that age I wasn't really selling on games and I'd play them and it was always an excuse to go back. And it was like two or three months later, you go, ooh, and, and sort of load the cart up to try and do something. Um, but I couldn't tell you how you get the, the fruit machine now. But my biggest overriding memory of, of Starwing has always been the faces on the Asteroids. As, as yeah. the, that, little, that little Easter egg—it was—it was just a, a real strange one. I think you trigger it by shooting the the golden meteors. I think you've got to get eight in a row, maybe, or, so, or something like that. It's in the first ast- asteroid field that you that you enter.
0: Is there any um, benefit to it? I, I vaguely remember in, the faces.
2: No, they're just sort of going. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I wonder if that was a
0: Nintendo thing or a, or a, a, an Argonaut thing. Um, there was—it was kind of a joke back then. There was a. Um, Uh, We had one bit of feedback specifically regarding uh, the original Star Fox, and it's from JB the Skater, a new correspondent. Welcome. Uh, He says, I came to Star Fox on the SNES by powers of persuasion. Long story short, I swapped my copy of Captain Planet in return for it with a classmate. Oddly, his suspicions were not aroused by the amount of praise I was giving a game that I was so ready to part with. (laughs) Anyway, I had, I played it, and I loved it. I used to watch my friend playing Star Wars Rebel Assault on his PC. Uh, and I'm going to say that that's probably a game that s- stands up even less well to time than uh, <laughs> than starring early CD-ROM bullshit. <laughs> uh, and this was the closest that I could get to that type of game at the time. I enjoyed the way the game looked and the way it played, weaving in and out of the various structures under the arches and all the while shooting enemies as you did so felt intuitive and sharp. I played through it countless times, usually coinciding with watching a Star Wars film and having the urge to try and reenact the dogfight scenes. All in all, a great game. I've never returned to the original for fear of ruining my memory of it, so I couldn't comment on how it holds up to this day, or whether the route to and destruction of the end boss polygon face monster is as hard as I recall.
3: Is it hard? Actually, actually, getting to Venom? yeah, it's it's ridiculous. Yeah. Is the is the boss hard? Um, I can't remember. I didn't find it that troublesome but that's well, not, not once you not once you've got there I yeah it, it, it kind of acts in the same way as andros does in lilac wars you know the, in Lilith wars he's got he's got the hands and stuff but in this is just a face that sucks in tiles and spits them out at you and once you work out his basic pattern you can if, you, if you've got enough lives you know you can you, you can die once learn his pattern and then get him on the next go uh so Star Fox 2 is a bit of a sort of
0: legend um in that it was a game that is to all intents and purposes both complete and available to play Uh, I've never actually done so for more than about 30 seconds, I must admit. Um, But it is out there. Uh, Argonaut did it again. Um, It was due for release in the summer of 1995. But then, with the Nintendo 64 looming on the horizon, uh, of course it was uh, subject to a delay after that, uh, it did not get released. Now, has anyone uh, dabbled with it?
3: No, I've always been intrigued and tempted by it. Uh, same as the F-Zero 2 that was never released on SNES as well. I always wanted to check out what they oh, look yes. like, but I don't know, like, I just can't bother. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's sort of like, they're interesting. Yeah. The, the idea of actually thinking about them is interesting. Like, there's complete games by Nintendo that haven't been released. That, that's quite fascinating. But am I that bothered about actually playing them? Pro- probably not. Like, I, I could. Dylan Cuthbert again. Uh, it, Elaborates somewhat. Star Fox 2 was fully
0: completed. I was the lead programmer, and while Giles made Stunt Race FX, myself and the rest of the original Star Fox team, i.e. Nintendo's uh, artists and designers expanded Star Fox into a full 3D shooting game. The reason for a non-release was the then impending N64, which of was course was intended to be released a lot sooner than it actually was. Miyamoto-san decided he wanted to have a clean break between 3D games on the SNES and 3D games on the superior 64-bit system. In retrospect, he could have released Star Fox 2, and there would have been over a year and a half before the N64 came out.
2: Hmm. This must have been at the period of time when Nintendo were they, they were sort of very much in transitions, even from the you know the Killer Instinct arcade consoles that advertised Ultra 64 and, yeah, yeah. and and that period of time, and obviously that got away with it because you could sort of release it in the arcade, and uh, this must have been one of the, the console releases that very much suffered due to that.
0: Yeah. Um, so I introduced a couple of new characters who have never been seen again: Faye, a dog, and Miu, a lynx. According to Dylan, again. Dylan but some programming elements done for the game, such as the camera programs, were adapted and reused for the development of Super Mario 64. Yeah, hold on. That sounds like a bandwagon he's jumping on there. I don't know. I can believe <laughs> that, that. seems I weird. That. It seems feasible to me. Um, Shigeru Miyamoto also stated that ideas uh, like all-range mode, multiplayer mm-hmm. mode, and the Star Wolf scenarios uh, came from Star Fox 2. Yeah. Uh, I believe Star Fox do debut in Star Fox 2, don't they? Um He estimated that 30% of Star Fox 64 came from Star Fox 2. Uh, Several game concepts have been reused in Star Fox Command, uh, which we'll talk a little bit about later. Uh, Among these, the map screen and the ability to
3: choose from multiple characters with their own fighters and stats. Hmm. It does sound like an interesting game, actually, like it does sound like a worthy sequel weird. i think ultimately it wasn't harmed too much because
2: if they've pulled stuff and ideas from it and put it into Lylat Wars which which you know there's no doubt is a classic title and will always be you know synonymous with the N64 as a console so maybe maybe it's a good thing that those ideas weren't wasted on a game that yeah. was outdated even before it's it sort of came out still hampered by yeah. its, its technology yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah. Which brings us to, uh, and certainly not a launch title for the N64, I think it was about 18 months after, it, after the Japanese launch, but Star Fox 64. trend after the Super games of the Super NES. Uh, Nintendo called quite a few of their early N64 games uh, this gave them the 64 suffix. Mm. Some people like it, some people don't. Um, Star, Space Fox 64 in the US and then controversially in Europe Lilat Wars. Um, now I remember the reading, I was incredulous uh, and the news story, the way it was written was incredulous when I first heard of this because of course uh we were all expecting Star Wing 64 mm-hmm. to arrive uh, that autumn, knowing that the Japanese game had come out in April 97. And then we found out it was dubbed Lilat Wars. <laughs> um, heard of a couple of people, uh, we have a couple of correspondents who are, are fine with that name. Um, personally, I always thought it was terrible. Um, Lilat does not sound cool. Nobody knows what it is unless they've already played Star Fox. Very weird decision. I think people are still mystified by it to it this day. Always felt like
2: a subtitle, like it should have been Star Fox. Lila was. They rather could have done than, that rather than yeah. rather than just Lila was. I mean, Lila is really a really cool color anyway, at the best of times. And and I think over time I've eased on the title, and I actually quite like it now, looking back. But at the time, it was just a bit, it was a bit douchey. It just didn't do much for me.
0: It's like the you know the response to console titles. Whenever a new console is announced, it's like, oh my god, that's the worst name for a console ever, and that's virtually every console ever yeah. has had that. And then you just get used to it through <clears throat> familiarity and exposure and repetition. But there it is. That's the game we got. Lilac Wars. Um, so I bought this on October the 20th, 1997, on launch day, launch day, and a giant box. It was a huge box. Bigger even, I think, than the Super Metroid box. Oh, was or it bigger? certainly, it, was slightly, it wasn't the same size. Mm. Uh, same. Sorry, it wasn't the same dimensions. It was either slightly taller or slightly wider. I forget, because I, I did own them both at, at that point. Um, it came with the Rumble Pack, of course, and yeah. I think it was the first game, certainly the first game over here to use a Rumble Pack. Yeah. And, now... I've never been able to compare the speeds. I suspect it was still slightly slow, but it was the first first first-party N64 game to not have horrible, ugly, big, fat black borders. It was full screen, which was very exciting because Wave Race 64 and Pilot Wing 64, Mm -hmm. as much as I loved them, uh, were basically letterbox mode games, and Mm. it was shocking. Um, I don't know if they did anything to the speed at all, but, um, yep, took it home. Um, Finished it on my first go in about 50 minutes. Uh, Lost, I think, two lives, possibly, on the way. No continues. Um, But fortunately, because the game had already been reviewed six months previously, um, I knew that there was loads more to do, loads of secrets, alternate paths, uh, Easter eggs, medals to win, characters to save, and and a better ending to get. So I wasn't disappointed, even though I'd shelled out... I can't remember if it was 49 or 59.99, but... Uh, there we go, that was my day one experience uh, Darren, what about you?
3: Um, I had a friend who had relatives in Japan and he went over there for a good few weeks and he came back with a Japanese copy of Star Fox 64 and mm. uh, F-Zero X and it was my first foray into importing video games it was sort of like my my introduction to these you know these great n6 i was so hyped for the n64 you know it was just so it was always on my radar like well the first time i saw mario 64 on games master and like you know cvg and all that i was just like this is just magic like you can't beat this so the n64 was always on the radar for me and it was just, you know i was destined to get it so when i started dabbling in the n64 i traded in my ps1 for it and you know um and i got i got mario kart was my first game and i was like oh, hold on why are these games coming out so much like earlier than you know, even if like even if it was a few months, I wanted them now. So my friend was like, "I'm going to uh, Japan. I think it was Tokyo. Uh, Do you want me to get anything?" I was like, "Yeah, just get me these games. It'll be fine." Come back, and they're like, "They're they're, they're in black and white." He's like, yeah, uh, yeah. didn't know. No, I had no <laughs> idea. So I was completely, oh, I was learning the hard way. So then I went through like converters and I modified RGB scouts. And to be honest, I wouldn't change it for the world that I've experienced all these things. Yeah, and of course. Playing Smash Brothers in black and white because the TV, had, the good TV had broken. And you know, the you know, results <laughs> to a crappy one. Interesting quirk. Uh, the one,
0: arguably the one improvement the, the PAL version got, uh, depending on your feelings about the the. Western voice acting over the Japanese is that the Japanese cart didn't have ease in it. Oh, I... so the lilat blah, 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 mm. blah, 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 voice option is 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 in the uh, in the European and probably the American carts as well, mm. but not not in the original Japanese. But they get the fantastic uh, Japanese voice acting, right, Darren? Yeah, well, Which, yeah, Foxy <laughs> and. Star Star Fox.
3: Yeah, my memory is very hazy on it because it was so many years ago. And uh, but yeah, that that was my first experience. I then bought it on American import because I needed to hear what they were saying and read what they were oh, saying. okay. And then I bought it, and then I bought Lilac Wars um, because I, I was like, why are they calling it Lilac Wars? Like, what? And then and then you look at the box, and there is clearly Fox and the R wing right on the front of the box. You are like, right, so that's okay. That's what's going on. And I was working in the game shop at the time, you know. I've said it before a few times on this podcast, and uh, people come in and going. Is there a is there a game called Lilac Wars? And you're like, mm-hmm. no, nah, it's called Lilac Wars. Why like, why they call it that? And we, we didn't know. I didn't really understand until recently that. Don't think well. Anyone? Knew. Not sure. We still do really, but. Hmm.
0: Yes, having um, having. I remember the uh, N64 magazine, which was the successor to Super Play. Um, was the best magazine. C- yeah, uh, celebrating the, the the Japanese voice acting. And of course, most of the people who listen to this podcast will have, you know, will have had the you know, do a barrel roll. became a meme and all that sort of thing. So I think there's there's great fondness for for the for the American
3: voice acting. Mm. I suppose. What if the Japanese have got the similar thing where they're going around doing the same quotes in Japanese? That that be quite. I
2: don't know.
3: Hmm. That's a very good question.
2: I don't necessarily think it's what was said, but more how it was said. How so it was delivered. Even yeah. even if even if it had yeah. the same thing, it wouldn't have had the same cultural impact even in japan
0: carl did you get this at the time
2: it was it was the big game that i asked for for the christ uh, for christmas that year off my parents no and i'd asked for this and i'd been looking forward to it and i remember this was a game i'd been looking forward to for the longest time because i got earlier in the year i got the uh i used to get electronic Game monthly imported at my uh, news mm. agents and it was the one with the mario 64 reviewing and pilot wings and turk was mentioned in it and then there was a spread on like this, and it was just like, wow, Like this is the, it looks amazing. And none of the other games were like it, so I've been looking forward to it all year. And I thought, yeah, this is going to be my big Christmas present. It comes with the rumble pack. And then my dad just sort of walked up to me, and he said, oh, he said, I'm, go- I'm going out for a few drinks tonight, son. I was like, all right, then he went, uh, just have some fun with this. And he sort of gave me it. And this this was on release day, and I, my jaw just hit the floor, and I quickly ran upstairs and grabbed all the cables and the console, and I quickly plugged it into the telly downstairs, and I don't think I left the screen until he for until five minutes <laughs> for longer than that. And I mean, he, he must have gone out about seven o'clock, and I, I was still there half eleven, just you know, red-eyed and 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 tired, but just enthralled by this incredible visual experience that. It just absolutely blown me away. Um, and it, it seems weird that I was so excited for it after being so... Not necessarily disappointed, but... It just... Starwing felt subpar, and yet... Coming into this, I was truly excited to play it, and it just it didn't feel like it had let me down in any way that the last one did. It looked, and it sounded great, and it played brilliantly. Um and I just absolutely loved it and what a great night that was
3: because obviously it was just a Christmas present early. How good's that rumble pack. That is just that that game is obviously it was made for yeah. the Rumble pack, but that game is so, you know, synonymous with the Rumble pack for me. Like when I play it without the Rumble, it feels wrong when you blow up those enemy bosses and there's no rumble. Yeah. You know, you're like, Oh I need you, I need it. I need it the was the drop yeah. in the Nova Bomb and it would just sort yeah.
2: of go like it looked like it was fading away and then it would just explode and the pad would just go Whoa! <laughs> yeah,
0: a friend of mine a, a similar age to me um did used to rest it in his lap for <laughs> cheap thrills during uh during the end of the forever train uh, level but um yeah i mean it was one of, it was one of those things i think some people really thought that uh, rumble was a real you know gimmicky thing that wouldn't last um they were wrong uh and in fact i thought you know um it added a certain amount to of Lilac Wars, but it added a hell of a lot more to GoldenEye, you know, the the feeling of firing those oh, guns yeah. and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Of course, famously, uh, well, there's the GoldenEye fact. It's the wrong podcast that they were going to do it, have the reload magazine thing, weren't mm-hmm. they, yeah. where you yeah. unclipped the, the pack, which they weren't allowed to do, but um, <laughs> yeah, the, the, that that's quite a legacy. I mean, you know, Nintendo invented the D-pad and they, they invented rumbling controllers although of course you know and the year, year
2: after this was released of course in the summer of the the following year in 98 we had the release of Gran Turismo and Resident Evil 2 on the PlayStation alongside the original DualShock pad so Sony yeah. were quickly in the development with their own vibration controller to sort of yeah, match absolutely. it because it was it was twin motors yeah it was um, so well received
0: yeah basically the same tech as as is still in the DualShock today um yeah, I mean, uh, Rumble Rumble at Home uh, was a new thing. Rumble at the arcade wasn't, because you know, even Outrun, uh, the stand-up cabinet used to throw the wheel about and stuff like that. But it was was it two was it two AA batteries? I forget.
3: I it was quite heavy. Triple wasn't a's, it? weren't they? They were, they were tiny ones.
0: It was one of the last machines that uh, asked you to buy a separate thing, other than the Dreamcast. I think was the only other one that had a separate Rumble mm. device mm. that I can recall.
3: There were also those weird, weird third-party ones that had a memory card built inside it as well. And, uh, yeah. So, yeah. And, but whenever it rumbled, you'd sort of maybe lose your save because it's a, <laughs> yeah, it's a it logic would, three thing. <laughs> so okay. rubbish. It would come
2: loose. Yeah, logic three. So so mad Cat's era of cheap, cheap tat.
0: <laughs> yeah, those, uh, there was Nintendo had some quite cool ideas with those data, with the data pack things, um, mm. that you could like merge your high scores with other wave race owners and things like that. So, in, you know, pre online leaderboards, you could compare and contrast your times and scores by, um, by using that feature, but not many things supported it, unfortunately. No, nah.
3: no. Mario Kart 64. That's probably it. Mm.
0: Uh, and James, is this another new one to you?
3: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Oh.
1: Yeah, uh, never had an N64. Um, had a friend who did and, and played a bunch of of games. Uh, his that was at uni actually, um, but Star Fox 64 wasn't one of them. So my first experience was during this week playing the 3D version. Um. Not in 3D, because why would you? Uh, I turned it on just to see it, but th- this is a game that has gyro controls. Again, why would you? But a game that has gyro controls, and you're supposed to look at it in 3D, you might as well just knock yourself in the head with your 3DS, frankly. It's just bananas.
0: I was going to talk about this separately, but now you brought it up. The The, the 3DS version is uh, a remake with some, with some tweaks. Um, it's, including, it's great. Yeah, and uh, Including yes, the gyro controls and the 3D. Now, it, I was playing it earlier today. Played it through twice. Mm. Completed it with the the weaker ending and the better one. Uh, didn't get a particularly mm. high overall score, but never mind. Um, but I was actually thinking, as somebody who who can't enjoy 3D,
3: that mm. this is a game that might really benefit from 3D. It, it kind of does, but the novelty wears off pretty quick. It's yeah. you know, the, the, like on 3D. It's kind of like Kid Icarus Uprising. Like after a while, yeah. like flying. Away from the screen is quite cool, and the effects are, you know, flying at you. But after a while, like it's it's the same with all 3ds games. Like I always turn it off just because I'm not sitting perfectly still in front of the in front of the machine. I'm going to start and seeing double yeah. double vision, and that's not fun for anyone.
1: And even if you're not using gyro controls. Any game, it's difficult to hold it that steady, to keep it still, to oh. keep it absolutely, you know, uh, level yes, and straight true. with your eyes. But especially a game where you're doing this sort of high speed movement, like a racing game, a flying game, anything like that. Mm. Your inclination is not the full on sort of tilting to the side to go around a corner type thing, but your inclination is much more um, to to move. Like a fighting game, you would do the same because you're trying to put in the controls and, and do that you're not thinking about holding it still and it's not like it's about 30 seconds of oh this 3D looks okay before i think and i'm turning it off yeah i do it with every game put it on see what it looks like oh that's good off because it just it's for a game like this i don't want to be in the middle of a dogfight in space and suddenly think that i can't see what's yeah. going on anymore um, gyro controls as well. Uh, uh, I I noticed the title screen. Uh, you you move around and it's panning around mm. in the in the background. And I thought, oh, that's quite cool. And then it said to me, "Do you want to use gyro controls?" No. 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 Every time I start a new game now, do you want to? Use? No. <laughs> it's not gyro even a controls. Question.
2: Uh, are a strange sort of thing where you would yeah. say at least ninety percent of all gyroscope games haven't quite nailed it. I think. You know, people tend to reference maybe Uncharted on the Vita as one that, you know, the gyro sort of makes sense. But certainly when you're trying to, you know, you can't push a gyro game and 3D at one time, and it makes absolutely no sense. No. The 3D in, in this kind of game, as I've as I've tried it out, just sort of boggles the eyes. It's like the original yeah. Lilac Wars came bundled with a rumble pack, and the 3D version of this should have come bundled with a packet of anodins. It was just absolutely <laughs> insane. Um it
1: was a no brainer to me 3D off gyro off yeah. I st- I did go for the 3DS it gives you a version you can either play the original N64 yeah. version which isn't the original N64 None. version it still got the
0: it still looks nicer It's still you know yeah, it's just the difficulties 3DS. balanced um uh, yeah, on exactly. the on the 3DS version too But the, the 3DS controls. version
1: uh, does actually say you can use the circle pads mm-hmm. I don't know if the circle pad works as a D pad on the N64 version No I mean cuz it, the, the N64
0: was analog control so it's the same
3: yeah, it's the same. It's just balanced differently. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. it's just yeah.
0: basically the, the aiming, I think, is slightly more generous on the 3DS version. And the, yeah. your, fri-
3: your friendly ships don't take as much damage, I noticed today. Mm. Ah, right. that's yeah, good. Yeah, that makes sense. Because <laughs> so they're quite yes. easy to lose. So it's easier yes. to see yeah. a Falco mm. time, then. Sadly. Sadly. Uh, Sadly.
0: Or indeed Slippy. Sadly. Sadly. Or, but also, see, there is the... the um, if you want to get the medal for the final Star Wolf level, you actually probably want to get rid of your co-pilot, so that could actually be a hindrance to that. Mm. Because they, uh, do they? They do kill stealing, don't they? Um,
2: they, they can do if you're going um, for the high scores. Um, there are a lot of times when, um, particularly sort of the end of the Conneria level in the first one of Violet Wars, where um, you would be sort of really chasing the, the 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 scores for the the medals and stuff, and uh, Falco would just sort of sweep by and take out three or four in a row, and it sort of leave <laughs> you a bit.
0: Ugh. Yeah, in my head they do anyway. Yes, the director of this one was Takao Shimizu, um, who uh, on his CV has a lot of great Nintendo stuff, but the two things that he'd sort of of note that he'd uh, directed specifically rather than produced or, or whatever before this were the fantastic Donkey Kong 94 on the Game Boy um, mm. which is well worth checking out on 3DS Virtual Console um, it's more than just a version of Donkey Kong a lot more um, mm. one of the best 8-bit platformers and uh, Pokemon Stadium which was the one where you could fight your collected Pokemon on the N64 with mm. uh, fully animated screens which are kind of, we're finally with Pokemon X and Y soon <laughs> going to get a sort of graphics that are up to the standard of those of Pokemon Stadium. Uh, Miyamoto was a producer again. Uh, Koji Kondo, who is Nintendo's go-to man. Um, Zelda and Mario, and lots of great stuff. And uh, at least one of the main artists on it was Imamura. Uh, Takayo Mamura who is best known for his F-Zero stuff, um, Captain Falcon and so on. And of course there is a bit of a crossover because in mm. F-Zero X um, you've got these weird humanised versions of the characters, some of the characters yeah. from
3: Star Fox. Yeah, so James McCloud's in there as as a weird human. He's <laughs> got, got then, fox hair. Yeah, he yeah, kind of looks like he's got fox clothing and stuff like that. But then <laughs> you've got a fox that's called Leon. Like, yeah. And he, and Leon in Lilac Wars is a lizard thing and sort of chameleon yeah yeah it's very nice oh, it i did the quick rinse of f-zero x recently and i i was saying something about it like you know i'll oh, change my clouds in this game look there's the fox and i was like hang on no that's not that's him. leon, that's leon. Yeah. yeah so it just totally blew my mind and uh if you they look at the art having for having fun open, with you yeah just try yeah specifically me i was like oh, darren loves both of these games is that
2: not a case of the game coming across from japan and just the characters having a different name and then being kept
0: I don't think so. Back as we used to
2: do in the old Street Fighter games with Bison.
0: Not and if there's enough about the human
1: James McLeod that would make you think, oh, yeah, he looks a little bit like in terms of hair and
0: outfit. I want to
2: have more about Fox. Leon and, and. Yeah, I'm not 100% yeah. sure.
0: There might be something in that. Obviously, there were reasons behind the whole name shuffle in Street Fighter. But, um, yeah. So, uh, we should really talk, rather than all these dry facts, what's great or not great about Star Fox 64 Lilac Wars? Um, James, you came to it fresh hmm. uh, and I understand I've picked up the vibes that you had a rather better time with it than you did with the SNES game.
1: Yeah, it's it's brilliant. It, I, what's great about it, everything. What's bad about it, just about nothing, I think. Um, whether this is the 3DS version or not, I don't know. Um, it feels like the the controls feel fantastic. Maybe, um, I think the 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 um, tank and submarine uh, levels possibly highlight how good the control of the R-wings in space is Mm. because the balance of the aiming and um, movement in one control system, it just feels like it's absolutely balanced perfectly when you're in space. I never felt like I was trying to aim but the movement wasn't doing what i wanted it to do cuz obviously you're trying to dodge enemy um attacks and bullets and explosions and obstacles whilst you're also trying to aim at enemies that are on the screen um and that works just so much better than it does in the original starwing uh, in in 64 hmm. um it feels like they just nailed it it feels great i i don't have any of the complaints with feeling like I, I couldn't do what I wanted to do or needed to do to be able to complete the the levels. Um, it feels so much more like a Nintendo game in terms of the presentation. In terms of the music as well, I think the music's just more memorable. Mm-hmm. Not that the music in the first one was, was bad at all. I think it's impressive, but I don't really remember much of it. In in 64, the, it just there's themes and um, different versions of the same piece of music being played played you know in the final credits and it, it it just feels much more like a nintendo presented game like
0: this is them it's also very much more obviously john williams uh inspired
1: yeah i think so yeah yeah i would agree there's a lot of um, star
0: wars nods in there even right down to the the return of the jedi style escape sequence and the, yeah, the spiritual yeah, voice okay it's your dad not your mentor but same difference yeah
1: and i think that that's the thing i liked as well was at the at the beginning they give you a little bit of exposition about what happened in in you know previously and it had me thinking hang on this is a remake isn't mm-hmm. it because it says oh you know Andros got pushed back into venom and defeated and i thought okay that's what happened in star wing and mm-hmm. then they said by fox's dad yeah with Peppy and then Peppy came back. And he escaped. Ooh. Yeah, exactly. And and, and Peppy escaped and now came back and, and now it turned out Andros was building an army and and attacking again. And I thought, oh hang on, it's not that that's not telling what happened in the first game. This is a setup for the same thing happening. So I think in my mind it's definitely a, a remake. Um and they just learned a load of lessons and I think this is why um if, you know, Miyamoto said to Dylan Cuthbert, we're not releasing this game, we're saving, you know, we're waiting for, um, the new era of Nintendo 3D games on, on the Nintendo 64. This is why he did, because they could finally do, in my mind, what they wanted to do with the first Mm. Star Fox. And I, I just think it's, it feels like a complete package. The fact that it's not just choose your route, you know, easy, medium, hard through the the system. It's actually, you know, I I said I went to Twitter. How do I go? Because yeah. you know, again, you've got your star map. How do you go the other path than just going from Corneria to the meteors and? A couple of people came back to me, a couple of you very kind gentlemen came back to me and said, ah, you've got to save Falco and go under all the stone arches. I was like, of course, why didn't I think of that?
0: <laughs> Lo- <laughs> but, loads of secrets, but but it's the kind, exactly, of, stuff is
1: it's kind the of, sort of stuff that you would talk about on the playground or nowadays it. read on the internet or on Twitter.
0: And It was a work brilliant. for me, but yeah.
1: Yeah, 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 well, yeah, exactly. And the fact that you save Falco, go under all the arches, and then um, Falco says, hey, follow me, and flies into a waterfall. Mm. (laughs) Meanwhile, I think it's Peppy says, where the hell's he going? And you just fly through the waterfall, and you get a different boss fight. There's so much extra game. So to say that you can finish it in 45, 50 minutes, which you can, quite easily, I I, I didn't have to continue once. Don't think I lost a life at all. I was just accruing lives as I went. Um, Lost a couple of... Teammates on the tank level, um, and yeah. felt like I was do. felt like I was in control of how well I was doing in the game, which is not really something I ever felt in Star Wing. So, I
0: the whole level select thing was was uh, some quite controversial at the time, um, and still, you know, I certainly felt going into the 3ds version that the hope was that when they remade this game, they would at least give the option to after you'd completed the game. Uh, select levels at will to try and medal and get the medal on them hmm. um because it was restrictive you know once you'd finished the game on a certain path, you had to kind of go back through it and do it again and deliberately make certain choices or even you know if you take if you'd done the right thing the first time, you had to deliberately avoid doing the the better thing like shoot hmm. all the missiles in time or whatever because otherwise there were mis- levels you'd never see if you did them if you did all the yeah. levels too well and stuff like that so I do remember at the time being frustrated because, you know, I I was missing like one medal later in the game or or something on the map. Mm. And it meant playing in a particularly, you know, having doing these levels that I'd done so many times before, as much as they were awesome, you know. But I'd heard all that speech, I'd fought all those bosses, done it over and over again, and I just wanted to try and get 150 hits, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, using the lock on uh, plus ones. Um, to to get that one more medal on it, and it was it was annoying. Now there's a score attack mode in the 3ds version, oh. which uh, yeah. obviously makes any level that you've already played selectable, but not levels that you haven't already played. So it doesn't <laughs> doesn't really help much.
3: And did, did yeah, the I medals earned from score attack actually mi- mean gold medals
0: in the I map? I don't think so. No, no. no I think it's separate. I think the hit targets are different as well. Possibly. Hmm. Um, yeah, not sure. I'm not sure. But um, but yeah, so many memorable levels and uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, one of the first things that uh, I said to you, James, when I saw you tweeting about the game was, ha- you know, have you picked up on the difference between level complete and uh, or oh, sorry, mission complete and mission, mission accomplished? Because yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure it doesn't tell you about that. I don't think it told you about that in the original no. manual. No. It's the thing. It's a thing that you're supposed to work out for yourself because, like you say, ba- like in the first level, you have to help Falco out. Other levels, you have to shoot missiles or put out lights or switch trains. Signals to get the better better ending to each stage. I think the the train signal one's fairly obvious. And the fir, my first time through mm. it, I
1: got it's hard. The first time through it, I got seven out of eight, oh, yes. and I I hadn't seen the seventh one. I'd got all six up to that point, couldn't see the seventh one. And then the next time through, I got like two or something because um, that uh, that tank level I just found far too off. Especially at the end with the boss fight, you've got teammates asking you to protect them. <laughs> you're trying to dodge obstacles, the boss is dropping all these spikes into the ground that you've got to try and shoot. Mm. There's too much going on and it feels like the movement and aiming balance is just different where you're you're moving a lot more because there's more obstacles and you're on the ground, you're moving a lot more out of your way into trouble when you're trying to aim off the side of the screen and stuff like that. Whereas in space, uh, in in the R wings, it just feels a lot more like it feels like the movement naming just fits together a bit mm. better and, and you wanted to go that way when you were aiming in that direction, so that worked.
0: I know. always quite liked the tank level. It broke things up. Um, and I quite liked the double mm. tap hover and things like that. Mm. But uh, I did not feel the same way about the underwater Blue Marine level, which uh, was, again, and I interesting comparing... Uh, I've, I've got the virtual console version and uh, the 3DS version. And I, mm. I don't know if... My assumption is that the 3DS version plays at the same pace as the NTSC original of Star Fox 64, um, and that is to say that although Lilac Wars was full screen, uh, it's considerably slow, which makes certain stages easier, like the uh, the lights and stuff. But it makes the blue marine underwater stage <laughs> turgid, absolutely <Okay. laughs> interminable, and slow and sticky. And it's it's often one of those things. I remember, you know, underwater levels being a real Bugbear in platformers at that period, you know, Sonic the Hedgehog. Oh God, not an underwater level. Well, mm. part of the reason for that was we were playing the slower level. That 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 much that even more, that slowed, much, down, that yeah. even more mm. slowed down. So it made them almost mm. agonising, yeah, to play, which was sh- shocking in hindsight. Um, yeah. The the standout level that most people talked about at the time as being a real landmark in you know three D home gaming was the Independence Day level. Yeah. So this was uh, this came out. um about a year after Independence Day, just, uh, yeah, roughly. um, Otherwise known as ID4. Um, A shit film, I think, um, but some people love it. But a great CGI um, for the time. (laughs) And uh, the scene with the, you know, it had some good special effects. That's what they did.
2: It's a great shit film.
0: Yeah, if you like great ship films, yeah. Um, but the the spaceship, the 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 big spaceship with the with the lots and lots of swooping enemy fighters, obviously was pretty much stolen, hundred percent, wholehearted, whole hmm. whole meal, whole 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 hog, whole so, hog, whole <laughs> hog um, for that for that famous level. And uh, people loved that. It was was it one of the first all range mode areas, or certainly that wasn't a boss anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, does that did that still have any sort of effect, James, playing that for the first time now? Because at the time it was like, what? Well, it was a proper wow! Look what my console's doing.
1: Yeah, it, I, I think um, th- this game absolutely yeah holds up. I I think it doesn't seem like if if someone told you this was a 3ds game that had only just come out. Aside from the conveyor belt running in some of the cutscenes, you know, like at the end where they're running <laughs> to get their their medals or whatever. It, the, there's telltale signs like that, which was just that's the way things were, you know, yeah. um, at the time. But other other than that, it it feels technically still impressive today, and part of that's because it's on a handheld, and the graphics have been, you know, uh, uh, sort of pushed a bit. Yeah, definitely. But but nonetheless, it, it you know the gameplay feels feels great, and I think it feels like a in you know, that level specifically they're talking about, yeah, really interesting for for what. In starwing would have been a bunch of gray blocks in space <laughs> there's actually so much more going on um, i mean you you said to me that um when you get a group of ships ahead of you and uh think it's peppy says try and take them out in one shot yes. um that's what you have to do to to get unlock the the secret path um i actually found because just before that you've got a choice to go either go over a ship or under it I actually found that for whatever reason every single time I was going under and I went over, completely missed out because you don't have to shoot all the ships if you go over and unlock the secret level and got to do the Blue Marine level. Mm -hmm. So I'm not sure if that's just the easy way to to do that secret path. But um, yeah, I just thought very interesting, lots going on. There's always hidden items just slightly out of view and if you happen to just dodge around a different way you might find something different. (laughs) Um, There's choices with the pickups. Sometimes you'll You'll get the you know the L pickup to increase your weapons, or you might want to go after the bomb, um, and the um, yeah, just the the, the whole level. It, it it feels more like I want to say like res, but it doesn't have. Um, am I completely high? Or you you can lock on, but you can't lock on to multiple targets at once. No, one I lock moment. on. Yeah, yeah. okay. Yeah. Because the problem I had was if you're locking onto one target. There's 10 targets on the screen. Why would I lock onto one of them? Because? Aside from in this level where you've got the um, humanoid spaceships and actually you can take them out in one shot. hmm. Okay. And the won't matter. So that's
0: different. This is kind of where the the whole sort of um, extra meat to the gameplay comes in is that Hmm. the uh, target's destroyed with a lock on. Uh, in the radius of the one of the one ship that you 've locked on are worth yeah. more hits, right. so that 's why it says plus one plus one plus one because you get yeah, yeah. more points for each enemy killed now. Another thing that i don 't think the game ever tells you possibly in the tutorial i 'm not sure is that if you 're locking on with your laser, you can fire a locked on bomb so if you 've got one enemy uh, locked on in a massive right. group and you fire your bomb it won 't just fly off into space or <laughs> blow on the blow up on the first thing it sees it will blow up it in the will, middle of a right. huge group. And that that, makes more sense. And yeah. that is how you get the gold medals it's, on all the levels. It's nice. enemy
2: spreading. You've got to take out a whole group of enemies, which That's is it. why you, you would wait until yeah. they all sort of get into a pattern of formation, lock on and take as many out as you can. It's basically score running. And it's what, it's one yeah, of the, great the, the timing
1: again. on that must be so tight that you have to get to know the levels, though, because sometimes yes, the exactly optimum it. time yeah. to do that is just as they come on the screen. Mm-hmm. So you have to be expecting that lock-on bomb. Yeah, okay. And that to sense. me is
0: what is why this game is great and does. Yeah. And and, yeah, and is yeah. incredibly replayable because yeah. learning the levels to the point that you are swooping in and out, flipping on your side, ducking under certain things at exactly the right point, and you know mastering the levels. Not that I ever mastered them, but as I say, I got nearly all the gold medals. Mm. Um, that's when the game gets elicits a real buzz, you know. Even once you've played it through, you've seen the spectacle, you've had the sort of cinematic, hmm. the sort of Star Star Wars with animals to <laughs> preempt someone's three word hmm. review. Um, there is an there is a deep uh, and highly playable score attack shoot 'em up.
1: Yeah, but but that's also why they don't allow you to select any level after you've beaten the game once, because yeah. you have to go through and find those things and learn the enemy attack patterns and get to know the game inside and out, which is something that's... It still happens today, but for the most part, you don't see a lot of that today because it's a lot of games. It's kind of play through once, maybe a second time, and you're done and moved on to something else, whereas this seems just... I can quite happily see myself... Playing this game just you know every so often just at a weekend pick mm-hmm. it up play through it again and just see if I can do something different see if I can find something different. Yeah.
4: It's,
3: um, it's the little touches yeah. that we take for granted that make *Lylat Wars* so much better than *Starwing*. Obviously, there's a big time gap and technologies evolved and stuff, but just the fact that there's this crosshair on the screen at all times makes your shooting so much more accurate and understandable. Like in *Starwing*, <laughs> well, I was just firing you know, yeah. just random.
0: I'd, I'd completely forgotten there was no reticle in you yeah
3: firing and
2: it's like there it's good, he's there <laughs> wow. until you actually hit him
3: and wow. you know the, the lock on obviously helps for score attacks and stuff like that and then the barrel roll having the little spin effect when you do your barrel roll like that that indicates some sort of shield whereas in the snes one there's nothing like that and again mm. it's all technology and stuff like that but just signposting and helping the player out understand how the game works and to, like i said earlier with the gold and silver rings and stuff it's just all these little things sort of add up and you think well this is why the game was remade into this because it actually makes sense and it's fun. <laughs> I'm
0: still I'm still completely hooked. Even when I play the N sixty four PAL version on virtual console, and hopefully they'll I don't, I wonder it maybe they won't re release that for Wii U now that this game is still available on sale, the three DS mm. version, but mm. maybe someday. But I'm still completely hooked on um, flying low to the water and, and oh, barrel rolling yeah. so you make <laughs> yeah, those delightful yeah. ripples in the water it's yeah. just so good and it still looks great even even on the ancient version
1: mm-hmm. yeah the sound effect when you fly clo- because <laughs> at the end uh, when you go that uh, first level you go the other route um, and it actually says to you you know Fly close to the water, and you go down. The sound effects just perfect. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It sounds like you're going faster. The ripples sounds more exciting.
2: Yeah,
4: it's reflection. Like, I,
2: I remember flying down to the water to go through all the arches. Uh, and like you say, you yeah. get that sound effect, and I just remember mm. goosebumps at how mm. awesome that felt to do it. Felt, you felt so in control in Lila Wars, and that, yeah. I think that is hands down why the, the the game is is so fondly remembered. I mean, I didn't go back to it for for this podcast for. Numerous reasons, one, I couldn't find the Power Kill, but two I also didn't really want to find it because my memories of Lila was are just so wonderful it's you know you 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 say it was a great flying game then I still haven't played one better I mean this is sixteen years old now um you know it it it's leaving home, it's getting a job, and it's still the best flying game I
0: have ever played. I guess that's you know how they could afford to uh, you know basically re barely change it and, and re-release it yeah. on on their their current handheld. Yeah, and also you know talking about the sound, you know, great use of sound in the game. This is a console, lest we forget. Obviously, there was a lot of good sound and music on this console. It didn't even have a sound chip. The N64, um, it didn't have a dedicated sound chip. So all those fantastic tunes and and famous speech samples and all that uh I think they all came out the main processor or some something crazy uh, you know me I'm not technical but I do know that the N64 was not blessed with any sort of sound processing technology so that's impressive
3: mm. Mm. there's not a single line of dialogue in that game that disappoints me um, they're so funny and I just couldn't help but just notice that every line of dialogue was either hilarious really well delivered or just like just a stroke of genius it is just so much fun I can't believe I lost to that scum.
0: (laughs) My emperor, I failed you. Um, I think they've been re-recorded in the 3DS version. Yeah, they they, they Um, sound a bit different. Um, They're not terrible. They're they're good facsimiles of the original. I don't know if it's the original voice cast at all. I haven't looked into the voice cast, I must confess, for this one. It sounds different. Um, It uh, it would be surprising if they'd got the whole voice cast back together. They sound pretty good, though. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, and the music's slightly remixed. I think, Darren, yeah, you were expressing right. some concerns about this?
3: Oh, yeah. I didn't really hear this until um, James Perkins on the old podcast, Cafe, He mentioned that the music was different. And we listened side yeah. by side. And they've taken away the N64-ness of the sounds. And, yeah. you know, when you hear Ocarina of Time and assume. you hear Lilith Wars on N64, that they feel like N64 games, and then when you hear the 3DS music, you won't really notice it if you're playing the 3DS game. You just think, oh, this is the music. And you're like, yeah, this is how I remember it. Oh, We're... I totally...
0: i played it enough to notice, but I thought they'd done a sensitive, intelligent sort of touch-up
3: job. Oh, I, I really like the way the N64 sounded. Like, yeah. It only
0: sounded like it did because of the thing I was just talking about, yeah. though, because it wasn't <laughs> it wasn't a proper sound chip. To me, N64 sound, as good as it could be, always sounded a bit tinny and muffled mm.
3: um, mm-hmm. for exactly those reasons. So I'm, I'm quite pleased to have them um, it is. It, they are faithful redos, but I've just got a soft spot for the, the originals. You know, yeah.
1: Presumably that because of the size of a 3DS cartridge, it doesn't matter whether you're playing playing 3DS mode or N64 mode. That that's just tweaks to the gameplay, not to the music and presentation or anything.
0: Yeah, I think whichever way you play it, you're, you're yeah, playing with the, be new, the new, yeah. new the touched yeah. up graphics and sound. Yeah. But um, but
1: that, I mean that's an opportunity to put in the old.
0: Well, the, you can motor, still motor. buy it on Virtual Console on the Wii. It's yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, still seven pounds, or you can yeah. buy a, a PAL, or a, you know, or whatever an N64 cart. So it's still out there, yeah. or listen to it on YouTube. But yeah, I, I feel they they did quite a decent hmm. job of, of touching up. And and there is, as as we mentioned before we were recording, a. Uh, the original credits are in the game, which is quite good, and I suppose they had to be because, well, firstly, the game is still the game, and secondly, the in- credits kind of play out as things happen on screen. Um, but then it cuts to the Q Games 3DS version credits, which has a new uh, lounge core piano, <laughs> sort of light jazz version of The Lilac Wars It's really
1: thing. weird because there, there's a whole kind of space opera type bombast to the, the soundtrack, yeah. and then this, this weird kind of piano, as you say, jazz. Sort of jazz piano type yeah. version almost. It's really strange, but uh, yeah, nice touch.
0: Um, and there's also I noticed uh, after you finished it, you unlock the sound mode, and there's three medleys in there of tunes from the game. Oh,
3: I'll have to look into that. Yeah.
0: Uh, yeah. One thing I, uh, one two things I wanted to mention as well about Star Fox 64. Uh, Bill and Cat, the sort of s- hmm. uh, sidekick ca- characters. Hmm. Um, I think Bill turns up for the first time
3: on the Independence Day style level, or is that yeah. the second
0: time he I, comes?
3: I think it is that. Uh, I love his voice. It's so American. It <laughs> yeah. Yo, dude, what's going on, man? Like, I, I just, I think that's
0: brilliant. It's like a surfer dude guy, isn't it? yeah. It's crazy. It's yeah. I mean, all, the, all these enemies, uh, these Andros characters sort of tend to be ape-like, but not always. Um, often have mm. sort of comedy American accents from mm. various regions um and I, oh my god how adorable is it that all the enemy pilots have a little a on their hats to that, <laughs> you know that they're fighting for andros it's,
3: that's that's the thunderbirds thing again isn't it that's the the I influence it is. That, yeah, yeah coming yeah, in yeah. Yeah.
0: crazy <laughs> um but yes bill um who's lovable and helps you out if you help him out i think and cat uh, who's, who's the foxy pink-wearing cat who <laughs> has a bit of a thing for, for Falco for no good reason. Because why would you, frankly? Because who's he's
3: it? handsome. Because he's a bad dude. <laughs> well,
0: he is handsome. Yeah, I mean, birds of prey are fine-looking beasts, but he's also a prick. <laughs> <laughs>
3: it is the treat a mean keep him keen attitude, I think. Gee, I've been saved by Fox. How swell. What a dick. I guess I should be thankful. <laughs> countless memes, countless memes. Yeah.
0: Well of course the big one for me, um sixteen years on and I still use it at every opportunity. Uh it was it made us me and my girlfriend at the time laugh out loud when it first happened as I was sitting there and uh and one of the characters <laughs> shouts, Annoying Bird, I am the great Leon <laughs> And um that's <laughs> just fit in my life ever since really. But um Annoying bird. Uh, and of course, there is, uh, I mean, Pepe, Peppy James is is a lovable character. Um, yes. He's, yeah, he's, a, he's a little bit inept, he's a little bit past it, but yeah, <laughs> he means it's, well.
1: It's kind of weird, isn't it? Because um, <laughs> he obviously knew Fox's dad, so there's lots of his comments are to do with, um, you Your know. Your father Fox helped me like up. that too. Yeah, exactly. Oh, <laughs> shit, <laughs> then. And you get the feeling that he is the bumbling sidekick to whoever he happens to attach himself to. But um, everyone loves a like simpleton, me, <laughs> much like me. I'm happy to take uh, take <laughs> Peppy's name for my own for this evening show. But um, yeah, I think I think Peppy's uh, a great character. I always felt like uh, of them all, he was the one I wanted to make sure
0: survived.
1: Um, mm. You know each level, but Slippy's um, the
0: only really useful one, isn't he? Because uh, because he gives you the well, I say useful. It's not that useful, is it? <laughs> no. but he gives he gives the uh, energy readout on the on the bosses.
3: Yes, that's right. So yeah, he analyzes them and stuff like that. And he's the guy who made these machines. By the looks of things, he made the Landmaster and stuff like him. He's called Slippy. and he's clearly in both in both the Japanese version
0: and the Western version played by a woman. Which is always, I've always found it weird because it always sounds like a girl's voice to me.
3: Oh, yeah, I never really thought about that. It does, doesn't it? It is. It's, it's, it's got a girl's voice. I think they are going
1: for a sort of childish enthusiasm. That's it. He's supposed to be this, um, like, whiz kid, but yeah, he's definitely the youngster of the group.
0: And then there's uh, there's also, of course, uh, well, there's, there's General Pepper, who's. Um, a big dog.
3: Oh, he looks like a total knob in Star Fox Assault. It is ridiculous. I, oh, I need to do a quick rinse of that because it is just—it is disgusting. It looks—it bobbles around like a Thunderbirds puppet more than anything I've seen before. It is—it's is crazy. It made me laugh out loud when I saw it. It looks like Droopy from the cartoon.
0: Though he often turns up in uh, in Nintendo games now, I think they were still a bit embarrassed of uh, the robotic operating buddy up until this <laughs> point. When they when they included him as as a helpful character in in, in Star Fox sixty four, um, so he would he would help you out. Uh, you had to uh, jab on the right yellow camera stick button. Yes, that's on right. the on the N sixty four, and now you have to touch the touch screen, which I hate because it leaves a big thumbprint. <laughs> yeah. um,
3: he just sounds like a little is. lunchbox now, doesn't he, with one thing inside it? You're like, come on, man, you're sitting in a great fox. Send out a massive suitcase of goodies, not one bomb, which I'm very grateful for, don't get me wrong. but maybe- he, talks, he talks in the classic uh, emotionless robot voice. Yeah.
1: I is- was so excited to get that supply drop first time until I flew into it and took damage. Because <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't tell you you need to break it open. Why would you just flew into it, damage? I'm like, you useless, useless robot. That's, get out of my brilliant. face. <laughs>
0: Um yeah and just any other favorite levels there's the, there's the uh the stormy uh, polluted uh level there's the fiery planet level mm-hmm. uh, there's the big space dishes level
3: Yeah so, solar uh, I really like that level I dream of um, that level being remade with the Mario Galaxy engine like cuz that that fire level in Mario Galaxy was just beautiful and, Oh
1: man uh, But yeah when you're pulling you know you get a wave like a tidal wave almost mm. of of solar you know lava or solar flare or whatever you want to call it and you sort of have to go full tilt upwards Mm -hmm. to try and get over it it's Mm. just so exhilarating um real nice mix of almost it's not platforming but it feels like it you know moving around the obstacles and getting around them and then the boss fight at the end yeah really i i really enjoyed that boss fight that would probably be my favorite um i feel like blue the blue marine level has promise maybe it has changed on the 3ds for the better it has um
0: it's better it's it's brighter and clearer and uh, less turgid yeah. i
1: i quite i quite like the fact that you had um lock on uh, torpedoes and and mm. the enemies it mixed up a lot you had to hit them with a torpedo and then shoot them with laser and that kind of thing it was a rock paper scissors type situation with some of them um Uh, and a lot of them were actually quite weak enemies once you'd softened them up and and then it was a single shot to take them down and whatever. Um, And at the end, I feel like there is a way to get through it and take almost no damage. I was taking tons of damage, and so it kind of made me enjoy that level because I thought I could go back and replay this and get to know where everyone is and all the enemies attack from, etc., and uh, really make a go of this. Um, It's also a level where you're on your own through the whole of it, which was... Which changed things up quite nicely because obviously you're not looking out for teammates or anything, it's just concentrating on enemy patterns, and it really brought that sort of um, 3D, not bullet hell shooter, but that kind of, you know, the 2D shooter done in a 3D Uh space. It kind Mm. of brought that to mind quite
0: a bit. And there's real, uh, I think the Star Wolf battles, um, Leon and Pigma, and. the other one's
3: <laughs> that's the monkey man and it was his name oh andrew of there course go, andrew. i love the fact that the he's monkey, called andrew
0: he's, he's andros's son so he's called andrew <laughs> um and there's the wolfy bloke um but they really teach you the sort of the 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 core skills of being good at the game which mm. is the use of the break and the boost and the flip Mm. Um, and the tight turns with the shoulder buttons to get round the back of, of enemy ships and stuff like that and what, once you've mastered Star Wolf that's when you can really go back and uh, and take the earlier levels apart I feel like
3: the only level I don't really like is the, uh, the blue marine is it blue marine yeah the, the submarine yeah. level that's the only one I don't really like and because of that I've sort of got my own rhythm of playing the game and i sort of end up funneling myself through the same level so i do need to play it again with an open mind and take different yeah. routes because i just keep playing it the way i want to play it and i don't play the submarine <laughs> level because it's crap but yeah it's
0: better it's better in the 3ds version okay. i swear that's good to know I swear.
3: but yeah there's not a single level really that i could say oh god i've got to turn this off now but like the, yeah the whole thing is just uh a roller coaster ride i love it
0: and it all ends up at andros uh who takes two forms depending on how you've got there uh, so the first four, I mean, the, some of the bosses are very easy in this game, but, but normal Andros is just ludicrously easy, isn't it? Yeah. It's just, shoot him in the eye, big monkey face, he winces and shows you his hand,
3: um, which you shoot, and then you do the same again, and then you shoot his face off. And that's it. Game over. I've lost count how many Nintendo bosses have big hands with glowy things on their palms. <laughs> I think <laughs> Zelda, Star Fox, Mario, I think they've all had at some point had a, a giant boss face with... Um, you know, dismembered hands floating by their face. Yeah, it's a very typical thing. But yeah, the brain version is just ridiculously hard. Um,
0: much harder, yeah. Yeah.
3: But it, I think it's worthwhile doing it because you get the better ending and then, you know, the true ending and stuff like that. It all makes I was
0: quite pleased that, as I say, playing it through quickly twice this morning, um, it didn't take that much more effort to get to this, the full Andros. And although it took me ages because I was just being careful not to die. Um, eventually I picked off those annoying fucking floaty eyeballs and got <laughs> round the back of him enough times. But he turns so fast, doesn't he? Yeah. Um brain andros. Um that you only get limited opportunities to shoot him in the back. Plus at this stage I hadn't managed to keep the blue the powered up blue laser, which is of course what you want. Again, you need it for high scores. You need it for fast level completion, mm-hmm. which is the, the third stage of, of weapon. Um so it was it was a matter of yeah shooting away really
1: I've got to say I, I didn't find Andros the Andros battle difficult and obviously there's these giant glowing spots on his hands so you know where you're aiming. Um I didn't find a reliable way to avoid his um, his breathing in when he tries to suck you in. Um, I couldn't work out if you were start <laughs> your backflip. You. <laughs> I couldn't work out if if break or boost was the better way to go. Boost didn't seem to be doing anything, or whether you just pull off to the top, side, and top keep, corner of the screen, and boost, yeah, as I yeah, recall. Yeah. yeah okay.
0: Um. To be honest, even even twice I played him today, and he didn't do that. To me... He, completely failed to do that attack to me either either time well
1: Um, I think the thing that uh, got me was I shot him in the eye first of all did nothing I don't know whether I was doing it wrong or what no effect whatsoever yeah keep
3: shooting him so he rubs his eye and then he opens his because it didn't
1: but it wasn't you know like when you hit a boss it it gives you a nice visual and and,
3: uh, audible (laughs) yeah that's satisfying sound yeah
1: well it, it I didn't seem to be doing that when I shot uh-huh. him in the eye so I ended up trying to shoot him in the hands and obviously he turns his hands occasionally and you can't mm. really shoot them um and that meant trying to dodge his hand swipes which if you get the timing right you can just barrel roll straight through them but um it, you know frequently that wouldn't be happening so um I ended up beating him but with very little health left and thinking I'd had a tough fight of it mm. I don't know what I was doing wrong but um but yeah that that Tactic didn't seem to work for me, unfortunately. Andros's head reminded me most in terms of boss design, or not? I guess they came first, but um, quite Res-like in terms of yeah. bosses, especially the and Snez yeah, and Andros.
3: Snaz Andros just reminded me; it just it looks like it could be in Res because it's all yeah, like yeah, you know flat shaded and it spits tiles in front at you instead of boulders, which is infinitely cooler to spit tiles tars. I'm at
0: sure uh, it came four years later. I'm sure Res took a little influence from yeah, Star Fox, so. although it is at its core quite a different game. We'd also had uh, two Panzer Dragoon games from Team Andromeda of Sega at this point on the Saturn. Um, the second of which is every bit the equal of Star Fox sixty four as a video game. It's Absolutely astonishing. Um, mm. Sadly, that series kind of doesn't really exist anymore. Isn't uh, there spiritual like a spiritual success yeah. on the way? Yeah, there is. Yeah. So some correspondence um, specifically relating to this game, Lilac Wars, for most of these players, I imagine. Uh, Roy42 says, Lylat Wars is an amazing game that is perfect in every way and can never be matched. The fact that it was the first game I ever owned and that I am requ- required by state, federal and UN laws to only say good things about it is irrelevant. It's simply the best. Uh, Carl, do you want to read Woodfellas?
2: Yep, he says, I have such fond memories of Lylat Wars. When I slot that cartridge in, pick up the controller and start it up, it instills in me a reaction that few other games manage. I'm overcome with nostalgia, and I'm taken all the way back to playing it when I was little. I used to bunk off school just to play it all day. I was desperate to discover all the pathways, and to get the highest score possible. I played it so much that every line of dialogue was familiar to me, and used to mime along with Peppy's Sage Advice and Falco's Wisecracks alike. I used to love the way it felt to glide so close to the water that you could see the ripples. I loved all the characters you meet along the way. I loved that you could take lots of different routes... I love spectacularly barrel-rolling to evade enemy lasers before blasting them to bits. I love pretty much everything about it. I may be blinded by nostalgia, but I do. Because of all this, it remains one of my favourite games and always will. Having said all this, the submarine level can fuck the shit off.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Echoing sentiments there. Darren, some tweets from Scott and Joe uh, from BitSocket.
3: Mm, Yeah, this sort of stemmed from me talking about Star Fox Adventures and then he linked well, one <laughs> of them did think the uh, a uh, hilarious and uh, cons- you know an informative video of why Star Fox Adventures is both mo- mostly rubbish and sometimes seldom good it, is, it has some good bits and a lot of rubbish okay. bits okay. and it's from that he stemmed why he likes you know the Star Fox uh, yeah. m- more specifically Lila, Lila Wars hmm. and he says this is Scott and Joe of Bitsocket uh, I really love shmups I love how technical they are, how difficult they can be, and how they can be learned. But I also like that the scrolling of a shmup gives it a natural feeling of going on a journey. Star Fox takes all these elements, but makes the journey element more prominent. The technical aspects are still there, but the main focus is moving forward and being told a story. Admittedly, it's a shit story with talking animals, but it's the telling of it that matters. don't know if that makes sense, but it all comes down to this. Star Fox is a shmup with Hollywood production. Finally, James with Dom's beard.
1: Uh, Yeah, Dom's Beard says, at Wars is a terrible name. Um, We should just point out that at least two people, Scott and Roy42, disagree. Um, We say that for legal reasons. um, But (laughs) Dom's Beard feels that at Wars is a terrible name. Um, He also says, Falco used to wind me up in at Wars and I would gun him down so I didn't have to listen to him being annoying. Quite right. He's worse than poor old Slippy. My favourite part were always the battles against Star Wolf. In fact, I think my favourite bits in Lylat Wars were the all-range mode sections. The multiplayer was great and was probably the most played after GoldenEye or Mario Kart 64.
0: Now obviously this is uh, another uh, epic podcast. Um, I suppose we are covering an entire series of games and uh, the games that we're going to talk about briefly after will never get their own Kane and Rince podcast in all likelihood. So... Uh, just quickly, did anyone else play the multiplayer at the time or have they even played it on the 3DS?
3: Not on the 3DS, but I definitely gave it a, a shot on um, the N64. And mm. uh, to be honest, I was largely unimpressed of it. Um, it just it wasn't why I was playing that game. You know, there were better multiplayer games at the time. And, you know, like, for me anyway, Smash Brothers was available when I was, you know, I was still playing lot of Wars way into the many years of the N64's lifespan. So. And yeah, just to play the story. I never went going. Oh, let's play some multiplayer of *Lilac Wars*, which you know it probably was really good. But I never really saw the appeal with just four of you flying around this massive space. It, it felt like it needed more, uh if it was bots or whatever. And then when you unlocked medals in the game, you then had the ability to go in on foot. And I just thought, that's right. What's the yeah. point in that? That looked like the worst thing. But one of those sort of beta <laughs> things that remained in the game. It sort of felt yeah. like that. So
2: yeah. I have absolutely next to no memories of the multiplayer at all. I know I tried it. um but it was always one of those when my friends used to come round. You um, know, say, "Oh, do you fancy some multiplayer?" It was always yes, to Golden Eye, Golden Gun, or mm. you know, Mario Kart, or we'd play co-op in Diddy Kong Racing. It never got to the point where it was oh, stick Lyle. Wars. was on. Um, I don't necessarily remember if that's because it was good or bad. It was just because when the friends came round, the alternates always seemed, you know, more oh. fitting to to those that that came, and it nearly always boiled down that it was going to be Golden Eye or or. One of the cat races,
4: hmm.
0: uh, James. I'm guessing you haven't played. I'm I'm not
1: the the best of multiplayer players at, uh, at the best of times. Um, but yeah, I mean the game strikes me as much more of a score attack type game where you're learning enemy patterns, you're learning the quickest way to take them down, and as you say, mastering the skills. And those don't necessarily seem like skills that would work in a. <laughs> In a game where you're playing against the sort of unpredictable human enemy, so much as you know, doing a U-turn or or doing a, a sort of loop the loop or a barrel roll at the right time can just turn the the sort of AI enemies completely round, and you can just mop the floor with them.
0: Well, um, I'm gonna say, yeah, uh, I'm with Dom's beard on this because okay. it got played quite a bit around my house. Um, mm-hmm alongside, uh, and less than, admittedly, Mario Kart and GoldenEye and uh, other things. But for a a relatively brief but fairly intense period, it got played regularly at weekends um, with three of us, not four, um, generally. um, But it was limited and it it did ultimately become repetitive. But actually, dogfighting with two other people Mm. is pretty exciting because you can only really kind of focus on one other person at a time. So there's always one kind of preparing to loop round behind you or come from above or something like that. Yeah. And uh, we soon got into the whole use of lock-on bombs and stuff like this. Um, it was kind of a bit like a you know a first person shooter in that people you 'd learn where the best you know where the power ups spawn and when and stuff like that, so there was a little bit more to it right, okay. and actually you using those evasive maneuvers and the side flip and the brake turn and all that came into play so yeah, I have fond memories it wasn 't the longest lasting thing um, but I was quite pleased to see that they 've included it in the three d s version yeah. um, whether you can play it as download play so i don 't think you even i think it 's single cart possibly mm. I don't it know. should be, yeah. Um, um,
1: I was, I was going to ask, actually. I, I've just thought of a, a situation in which I can imagine that multiplayer being good. Could you do 2v2? Because I could imagine a Top Gun-style wingman and,
0: you know... I can't remember into... if you could elect for the game to play it that way, you, you but you could, could certainly... The, yeah, yes. you could, I mean, those were the days of making up your own, own rules. rules yeah. yeah, very much so. Um, yeah, so there's no online play, sadly, on the 3DS cart though, so... We must, uh, it would be remiss of us not to do a, Starfo- a Star Fox Saga podcast without talking a little about the three games since. So, first up came the N64 game that was Dinosaur Planet that became the uh, GameCube game that was Star Fox Adventures. Now, I gave this one the widest of births <laughs> based on things I'd read, things I'd heard, yeah. and indeed things I'd seen. But uh, Darren, rare fan extraordinaire. Mm.
3: Yeah, it's it's quite an odd one, this, because it was obviously Dino Saw Planet on the N64, which always looked promising, but was never due for a release anytime soon. You know, you was like, oh, Dino Planet, there's another screenshot. I even saw it at ECTS, I was like, oh my god, it's there. And then, you know, you had a little run around in the environment, and then you never saw it. And it was just one of those things like, oh, I wonder what's happening to it. The GameCube got announced and stuff like that, and it, resur- it resurfaced as Star Fox Adventures. And even back in the day, when I first got it, You could sort of see why they slapped the Star Fox license on it because Mm -hmm. it was, it was cack. Like it was, it was Zelda, but boiled down to its bare basics. Like there was no exploration really. It was all sort of it. The best way to sum it up is like it felt like a contractual obligation. It felt like they needed to poop out this game because that's what they signed with Nintendo before they went over to Microsoft. And Mm. it's just really like it, like with most rare games of, well, all rare games really look, look and sound amazing, but. Like, this one was just lacking in in the, in the world design and the level design. And it, just everything about playing it was really boring. Apart from the shooting, the shooting levels were really good. Like, they felt... There were 60 frames. They were really slick and responsive. <laughs> and you just think, well, why didn't you just make a game out of these? Like, what? <sighs> yeah.
1: and, and given the game that is as described to me, I've never played it, but...
3: Why the Star Fox license? That seems well, p- just to sell it, but, just to shift but, but it. I think. of all the licenses to pick no, Yeah, you know, no, but actually it, flying around space and landing on planets in Lila in the Lila universe yes, is amazing. Yes, that sure. sounds amazing yeah. on paper. And it it, it mm-hmm. works in my head. But when you actually get into the world and there's a Scottish golem that talks to you who are about warping and stuff, it doesn't really make any sense when you see it in motion. You're like, Oh really? Is this what they're doing? Like it was Really bland, really it gives you too much information. The basic puzzles are that are in the game are explained to you in excruciating detail, like you just opened a door, mm-hmm. and like Zelda would just vaguely point in the right direction, like it's that way. Whereas Star Fox Adventures would fly down the doorway into the corridor and show you around the corner. And it's called Star Fox Adventures, but there's no adventure in there. It's very bland. Mm-hmm. It's very It did it did relatively well critically and commercially.
0: Um it sold quite fast. And um although Edge gave it a probably more accurate hmm. if we can say that about a subjective review uh six, it did all right elsewhere. IGN gave it a nine, for example. Um ends up with a game ranking of eighty percent. So not considered a disaster, but was that was the, do you think that was
3: people slightly yeah misguided by the developer I, and the and the name that's, and that's that's definitely all down to hype and, you know, all the expectations behind both Dinosaur Planet Rare and the Star Fox license, you know? It was all
0: Is it um is it Rare's worst game? I realise you haven't played every game they ever made on the NES or the Spectrum, but
3: is it, worst is it the worst?
0: Is it the worst one you've
3: played? Yeah, it's it's definitely up there. I can't really think of anything that is worse. I think Mickey Speedway is probably up there as well. Ooh, yeah, I yeah, would forgotten about that one. Yeah, it's not a great game. It's kind of like Diddy Racing, but if, like one that just got pooed out by them. You know, it was just like yeah. it's just very. Again, like it felt like a contractual obligation. It it, it feels <laughs> like the Jet Force Gemini team. Made, mm. made another game, but not as good as Jet Force Gemini. They feel very similar in terms of how the characters yeah. like move and react around the world. It's it's not as brutally, crushingly, unfairly difficult as Jet Force Gemini. Though. <laughs> no, not at all. But um, yeah, I think that's secretly why I partly loved Jet Force Gemini. Because it was just like, you enter a room and everything dies that you need to save. And you're like, well, why? What happened there? But yeah, yeah <laughs> Jet Force Gemini is not a great game either. Um, yeah, it's, it's up there with one of the worst. Yeah. I think Donkey Kong Country... Three's probably up there for me as well as one of their worst. But um,
0: Donkey Kong 64.
3: Oh god, yeah, that, no, that, that's the worst. <laughs> that's so bad that I even blocked it out, and I've got the T-shirt. Literally, <laughs> you literally bought the T-shirt. I, I've got it out of pure irony. Yeah. And uh, Tricky the dinosaur. Uh, it Prince Tricky, is it? Yeah. If you get the Fable Dog and you put a stupid, annoying voice on it, and it doesn't actually work properly, then that's pretty much what the <laughs> tricky is. Uh, it, uh, there's a quick rinse <laughs> It's not so quick. It went on for about 35 minutes, but I had to get past this stupid snowmobile section where you're racing these three type dudes. They look like Donkey Kong enemies. And there's this horrible section where it took me about... I didn't record all this, but it took me about 25 minutes to get past this one stupid racing section. And then you bump into this dinosaur, and it's just. it just reminds me of Tails from Sonic. And... Even at the start of Sonic Adventure, uh, oh my god, I did it, didn't I? It, I called it Sonic Adventure. No, Star Fox Adventure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's got the horrible voice acting. It's got the horrible, sort of cheesy, rocky music, and uh, it's, it's just not a good game. It, it looks good, though. See, I'm just surprised you think all those games are worse
2: than Perfect Dark Zero. <laughs> oh, god, again. Good, good point, actually. Yeah, yeah. Good point. Yeah.
4: Thank you very much for
2: reminding me of that yeah. horrible game. At least they got it right with uh, Viva Pinata. It took them a few years, but they finally nailed another game. Yeah. But, uh, and Banjo yeah.
3: Kazoo Nuts and Bolts as well. Yeah. Yeah. Mm.
0: Yes, uh, those are games we should definitely caner rinse someday. Uh, so, next came, uh, so that was what, 2002 ish? 2003?
3: Oh, I knew what it is. Adventures. Yeah. yeah. Um,
0: three years and, later. A couple of years later, or yeah, in two thousand and four in Japan, um, in America, sorry, and later mm. in two thousand and five, everywhere else, Star Fox Assault, known as Star Fox Armada, and I still think of it as that because it was mm. uh, it was known as that for quite a long time during development. So this was Namco, at least partly related to the Ace Combat teams, which is not a series I've ever particularly been into. Not I know there, there's some great games in that series, but it's just not you know jet plane combat. Uh, doesn't do it for me in the same way that uh, Cuddly Foxes in Spaceships does. So, <laughs> um, but actually, I got to admit, when this was announced, when I saw who was behind it, I was thinking, yes, yeah, Star Fox with yeah. the Ace Combat team, Namco. They were, you know, they they've got some fantastic they've got experience. It could be good. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I've never played it. Now, that was mainly because the reviews for it were so lukewarm. But it wasn't. It wasn't utterly destroyed. Now, have any of you played it? Played it?
3: Yep. <laughs> Okay. So yeah, Star Fox Armada Assault yes. is um, it's kind of like if you take, ah, oh, Nintendo recently have done this, but so they've handed out their franchises to various different teams that weren't even related to Nintendo, and yep. get, you know whatever came back came back. So Metroid over M that was obviously um, Team Ninja. Oh no, yeah, and uh, we had um, F Zero GX by Sega. That's how you do a Nintendo game without being under Nintendo sort of you know. Oh yes. Uh, house. Yes. Um. So yeah, if 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 you, if you Want to line up Star Fox Assault with any of those two? It's Metroid over M. It tries all these other, like, new things. Like, it it, it kind of elaborates on Lilac Wars, but to the extreme, there's, like, whole levels dedicated to running around, which, you know, feel, it sounds quite good on paper, but it just ends up being, like, a worse version of Earth's Defense Force. Like, it kind of feels like uh, EDF's, like, bad on purpose, and therefore you love it for it, if you know what I mean. It's kind of that kind of game where, I don't know, people seem to enjoy it because
2: so blatantly on a budget that yeah. you sort of just revel in the fact that it's so ludicrously mm. insane and fun that, that, that the rest doesn't matter.
3: Yeah but the levels that you run around in Star Fox Assault are just so complicated uh, not complicated but they're just badly designed like I end up You r- say run around I always was under the impression with the name that it was a spaceship fighting no, game. There's all sorts of so there's actual on foot <laughs> missions where you end up getting into the Landmaster mid mission which again sounds quite good but it's executed quite poorly and then you know, you end up inside buildings and you take down certain buttons and power outages and stuff It's just it's all very it's all very confusing that game. It's like
0: very... what idiot decisions did Nintendo and Namco make between them. That when they gave Namco, uh who had also, lest we forget, made the fantastic uh three D Polygon space shooter coin up Starblade, which was stunning at the time. Mm. Um a few years before this, admittedly. Um, and the ace combat games why did they not just make a really good s- space plane shooter? This all smacks very
1: much of a taking a Need for Speed game and deciding that what you really need to do is get out of the car.
3: Well,
0: yeah, like Driver 2, I think Driver it was, 3. Yeah. Which and was, Driver which 3.
3: Which is just hideous. Yeah. there are are good
2: flying
1: what, levels in there. Well, okay. exactly, but why, why is all the other stuff... In well, yeah, the flying's it, good. it kind it. of
3: felt like they they needed to impress Nintendo rather than doing a carbon copy of what they've already done. Like, oh, what if we can yeah. elaborate on the on-foot missions, for oh the multiplayer on-foot section from Lylot Wars. And and then there are bits where Fox can surf on the barrel of the Landmaster and sort of shoot with the blaster. Mm. You think, well, why would I want to shoot with the blaster when I'm in a tank? You know what I mean? I wouldn't want to get out and suddenly mm. shoot something with my blaster. It just feels like it's overcomplicated. It's too confusing mm. for the player you've
2: got it's- to remember why do one simple thing brilliantly when you can do five average things
3: you know it's- <laughs> it kind of yeah harks back to what my motto quoted earlier like you know, just because you've got an idea doesn't mean it needs to go in and you yeah. know they should have learned what they said. <laughs> but
0: why yeah, is it you know, why didn't why didn't Nintendo shut down Star Fox Two, which was by all accounts an interesting game, and let this get out there? You know, why why didn't they shut this down or, or get rid of all the crap bits Are and you... say, Namco, just make just make the space shooter Star
2: Fox is definitely a franchise that jumped the shark long after Lilith Wars had passed and you feel like Nintendo were completely aware of it and they were like, Ah well fuck it, someone'll buy it on NIM. And it was like they just don't have they that don't love only, and care for it.
0: They very seldom operate like that, though. You know, that's it's, that's really not how it, Nintendo are known for treating yeah. their IPs, is it? Apart from Except, they have done, yeah, in some cases. They have but done but with this,
2: and it, it's almost like yeah. the Star Fox franchise doesn't mean much. It's the characters themselves mean more to them in other games, like mm-hmm. we've seen them in the F Zero games, because the characters are iconic, but the games no longer are. It's oh, well, maybe, it's maybe that kind of maybe thing that flying in market is so. Niche now that there's there's no mass market appeal. I mean, the, I think the, that's the probably com- more Yeah, the to Ace be, combat yeah. games are well received, but they don't the, sell massive niche, yeah. numbers. Oh yeah. So mm, yeah. so you've yeah. got to They've try got a and consistent cover audience. as many bases as possible, which is why they're doing tanks and walking and shooting and flying. Of course it
0: is, but the thing is, wouldn't you know? Ultimately, the game would have done better, been better received if it had got higher review scores because they'd made every level that limited shooter oh, level instead of... You so, know, sometimes
2: you're better off taking the small market you have and making something brilliant for them than, than trying mm-hmm. to make something that, that that's from mass market appeal that just falls on its ass. Uh,
0: so did, did you finish this, Darren?
3: No, I didn't really have the patience to get through the on-foot levels and the uh, the other characters that surrounded it. I remember getting to a bit where Fox is like Hijacking another R-wing type, and it's just like, why is he why is he surfing on top of an R-wing hijacking another <laughs> ship? Like, ah, uh, just it was too bombastic.
0: Was the stuff like even the obviously we know that in the rare game the the characters and the voices and stuff were awful. But what about this one? <laughs> Did they do a better job with you know speech and yeah. script and yeah it, yeah, it
3: definitely sounds better from a voice acting and musical point of view. Um, the the I forgot to mention the Star Fox Adventures voice acting. It's just the worst. It's just the worst. Like, it's unbelievably bad.
2: The world's most obnoxious shopkeeper.
3: Oh, he's an idiot. He's the he one just, I always know. You want some food? He says that, and you're like, what the hell? What's, what kind of accent is that? Yeah, like borderline offensive. <laughs> it's <is> just <laughs> ridiculous. And it's again, it's in the Quick quints. If you want to check it out, just have a have a peek. As rare
0: of rare of never shied away from a borderline offensive. No, uh, Taj. regional accent. <laughs> yeah. Taj. Um, yeah, and Star Fox... Uh, so even had a multiplayer of some sort, which again, you know, if the, if the, the fundamentals of the, the, the game had been fine, it might have been interesting, but never mind.
2: It's a shame when you're trying to do so much um, and get it wrong, but it's, it's even more of a shame when you've got other games that you compare to that, you know, get it right. I mean, if you take out the Star Fox fly-in, which it should be a given for the series to get it right... Look at something like Halo, which has tank based, air based and on foot combat and hijacking and, and multiplayer and you think use that as a reference and stop doing yeah. this. Kinda of feels but, like they were going
3: for a Halo type game, to be honest. But but even mm. in that
1: respect, look at um Ratchet and Clank. There's there's albeit two D in a three D space, um hmm flying levels and that, you know, you're yeah. you're stuck on a, a single plane. They're um, very but basic, Actually they're one, they're, yeah. they're pretty fun as flying mm. levels go. They're not Star Fox, certainly not Star Fox sixty four. Um but then you get out of the ship and onto the planet surface and actually you're running around yeah. and it's a it's yeah. a good three D platform as well. And it's got that kind of Nintendo type yeah. Aesthetic, you know the characters are are colourful and and exuberant and and bouncy and you know it's got that sort of presentation to it as well that would go down well with with Nintendo and okay there's a danger of cannibalising your your 3D Mario market there by making Star Fox more like that but you know Nintendo can do both of those aspects of a game just. Superlatively, you know, they, they they can do them absolutely superbly, and you could make Star Fox something like that if you want to take it away from just a flying game. I mean,
2: stuff. you can never have too much of a good thing. I mean, it's even, you know, saturating the market with a lot of games of the same type has never bothered them before because they, they had, you know, the Mario series, they had Banjo Kazooie, and they had uh, Donkey Kong '64, all as three D platformers that were advertised very much in the same manner, and you know, they they all sold well for them and. And whilst I personally think Donkey Kong 64 is not as bad as you guys do, is uh, you know, in in this case, do all the good things well. You know, just just create the Star Fox game, and I think it's it, it speaks volumes that they've released three games of utter dross. Andro- Andros. Yeah. Followed by <laughs> uh, followed by a 3D remake of a game that was at the time 15 years old that got well received. That they should know that perhaps they should just focus on that one I'm going to dispute
0: uh, that our last game to talk about is Utter Dross, strongly in fact Star Fox Command is not Dross, Star Fox Command is a good game mm. it is
2: a good
1: It's game. a flawed game though mm. Yes,
0: yeah. but it's it's it definitely sits in the middle of the Star Fox canon f- I would say.
1: It feels like it's hampered to me by the platform it's on mm. It's an early DS game and therefore the exposition yeah. and the need to use the stylus yep. so heavily are, mm. are Anchors around its uh, around its uh, neck, or you know. But this is putting, uh, this uh,
0: is the, the you know this is Dylan Cuthbert was back as a director, yeah, and, and it feels
1: it feels pretty decent. It's just there's a lot of exposition at the start. There's a lot of tabbing through, and and you've got character heads on the screen that are just talking gibberish at one another, but not in a in not in that kind of endearing way that. Mm. Star Fox 64 had all the while there's text underneath that you're kind of skipping through skipping through giving you a load of backstory and a load of here's where the characters are now um and then you get in the ship and you're dragging a stylus around the screen Mm. my problem with it is is dragging the stylus around the screen better than the controls that are sat right next to that screen that i could use the answer is no
0: no, classic, classic. Uh, are exactly the same things as the gyro controls uh, and the back touch stuff. But the difference here, you can't turn it off. But I think the point with Star Fox Command is you have to go into it knowing that it's not a traditional Star Fox shooter, but it is an uh-huh. interesting sort of spin on it, if you'll pardon the pun. Um, that does have you know greater levels of, of strategy and and, mm. and stuff like that going on
1: yeah and i mean it's it's balanced for that restrictive control cause, um yeah. so the issue is you're you're dragging your stylus around the screen um and using a button to fire, but then you've you've got to effectively take your stylus off to be able to boost or take your stylus off to be able to break or you know kind of ruin your aim and positioning to do a barrel roll by sort of scrubbing the screen with the stylus. So the it's a bit like touch games on mobile phones where you're trying to imitate something that's done on a controller. Mm. Y- mm. You end up scuppering yourself by effectively only having a one-button input and trying to use it to do all things. Um, but that said, it's balanced to take that into account. So you're not... You know, I found the, the aiming... I was shooting, sniping enemies as soon as I could see them on the screen. Um, basically, aiming in their general direction, hitting that, fire, and that's how. That's
0: yeah. Spot. I mean, that's the thing. I think. I think the danger is to compare the way you control the R wing in this too closely to the the earlier games, because I think. It, you are supposed to play it in a different way. It is a deliberately different game, yeah. and I, I'm not. I'm not going to argue that it's any kind of classic. And I certainly didn't stick with it for a huge amount of time. No. It's clearly way below, you know, Star Fox sixty four. But compared to the other two games, based on what I know, I, I think it's widely regarded as, you know, not a disaster like Assault and Adventures.
1: Yeah, I think it's it's just interesting. I, I saw Q Games logo come up and thought, all right, yeah. here we go. You know, that that immediate sense comes to you, and you think back in the hands of people who know what they're doing and it just feels like they were given a a mandate of use the stylus for this and there's a D-pad and buttons there that would have worked perfectly well and the engine looks like it can do everything a Star Fox game you would expect it to do so it it kind of feels a bit like, why doesn't it? It's jarring, but you're right, if you go in expecting that and taking it for what it is, um, there's a weird kind of strategy top-down element to it where you've got to draw a line and you get turns to to mop up all the enemies. Yeah, so, I like that stuff. Yeah, it's, it's not too bad. Again, it just feels a little underdeveloped in terms of mm. the early levels. It doesn't feel like a challenge to get to all the enemies. It just feels like it's kind of... It's a given that you're going to get to all the enemies in time. It's just a matter of you choosing an arbitrary path between them to do so. It doesn't feel like there's a challenge there. I don't know if that gets more later on. Um, I wasn't terribly inclined to go past the first hour or so's worth of play. I know it lasts about five, six hours, I think, in total. But... Uh,
0: one correspondent on Star Fox Command. I don't think it was a widely played game. Um, but uh, Chase210 says, oh, Star Fox memories. I played through Command while we were rehearsing for a school play. I had literally a one-minute part, but it meant I got to skip lessons. I remember someone telling me it was an Ace Combat ripoff, Um they were probably slightly misguided with that and i didn't know what he meant because i'd never even heard of ace combat and had never even owned a non nintendo console until i was 15 but there you have it um so that sort of that i mean that frighteningly enough that that game is uh, 7 or 8 years old now um yes, star yeah. fox <laughs> command and obviously there is now a much better handheld star fox alternative um and who knows what next but we should hear from our three word reviewers
3: Alfred Fank. Animal Star Wars. Ali
1: Mitchell says, neither wing damaged. Neither or neither. Whichever you prefer. I'll go neither wing damaged.
2: Bitsocket. Better than Star. That's in regards to Lila Wars, by the way. Not better than Star Fox.
0: No, better than Star Wars is his assertion. Uh, Matthew Cooper. I didn't really understand this, but in, and there was a strange hashtag. But he says polygons without emotions. Perhaps he's referring to the fact that he felt that uh, Nintendo games were better when they were sprite-based.
3: I don't know. I think he's referring to the SNES game. Yeah.
0: Yes, Star Wing
3: is
1: is all about it being three D, and maybe I think our memories of the characters or your memories of the characters. Mine are very fresh, but um the that probably comes more from Star Fox 64. They weren't terribly fleshed out, I don't think necessarily, in
3: Starwing. So. Mm-hmm. Michael Ward says, jaw-dropping graphics, in brackets, Starwing. Uh,
1: Necamancer
3: says, Andros loves
2: high-fives. Rich Woodward, fondest of memories, that's in regards to Lilith Wars.
0: Uh, Roy42, also on Lila Wars, says, uh, it holds up wonderfully. Ryan Astley says, Snez does 3D! Xavier
2: Fox Shandy says, God damn it, Slippy. And how cool is this? Dylan Cuthbert. Barrel Roll Spectacular.
0: Yes, we often uh, ask uh, somebody involved in the games to give us a three-word review. Not many of them get back to us, but Dylan did. Um, so fair play to Dylan. Um... We'll probably try and get him to listen and fail as well. But there you go. He 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 got he used up the barrel roll quota for the three words. Fair as enough. Well. So yeah. <laughs> um, so for our summaries, I think we've already well established what we think of the games. Uh, basically, we all have strong reservations about Star Wing in this day and age, and we all think Star Fox sixty four is a really cool game, mm. or that was depending. So I thought what we'd do is uh, we would go around and say what we'd like to see next, if anything. Uh, For the next Star Fox, would you like to see a full-blown HD Wii U sequel, something else on the 3DS, or what? Entirely up to you. Let's start with Carl.
2: It's quite an interesting proposition, because Nintendo have already done exactly what I wanted to see for the longest time, and that was uh, a remake of Lilac Wars. It was... You know, that, that, that game emoted everything that was brilliant about Nintendo, whilst losing all the sort of dryness and, you know jaggedness that was was the original Starwing so even if if we were to get a, a further sequel it would be very much akin to what what was delivered with with the you know the Lilith Wars or Star Fox 3ds remake it's you know it would always be nice to to get it with more bells and whistles and you know it, it, it was a bit it fell a bit flat with the 3D and and the you know the the motion control there with the uh, gyroscope. I I can see where they were trying to add something new. Again, I think we all agree that we weren't too keen with what they've done with the touch screen. So, could they do anything different with the Wii U that was unique? I, I don't necessarily think so. So, it, for me, they've already done what I wanted, uh, and and that was basically polish up what was the most classic of classic. Flying games.
0: You don't want any more Star Fox?
2: Not yet. Not until we get another system from them, unfortunately.
0: Hmm. James, what about you? Any more for any more?
1: No, I, I, I kind of agree with Cal to a certain extent. I think what I, at the moment, want from Star Fox is to just play the 3DS version quite a bit. However, I, I'm, I think the Wii U has potential... Of all the games where you would say, actually, just put a map on that gamepad control s- screen... Star Fox would be a fantastic way to do that. You know, you'd have your map there, you could interact with it a little bit, you could get messages coming through on there. Yeah, they're all touches, they don't really make a difference to the gameplay, but I think the Wii U would be a great um, console to put on either a a virtual console version, maybe remake it, tweak it a bit. An HD version of Star Fox 64 I think would work really well on it. Um, And I don't think you would have the fear of Um, restricting a game to just being a flying game if you made it a downloadable game, for example. Mm. Um, As for where they go in terms of expanding upon Star Fox, I'm I'm not sure. I'm reticent to to say expand it into any kind of RPG or action game, but I think, you know... Maybe give it to Dylan Cuthbert. See what he can see what he would do with it. You know, um, Q Games. See what they could make of Star Fox. You know, with um, a little bit of license to to go where they want to go and do where they what they want to do with it. I think that would be interesting. And as I've said, you know, um, Ratchet and Clank made uh, you know a Crack in Time was a heck of a good game with nothing like the um, the fantastic flying system, uh, you know, space combat system of of Star Fox. There's places that they can take these characters that, you know, so many people have such fond memories of. And a lot of people like myself know about, despite having never played a Star Fox game, um, through other avenues. I think it's just, there's so much potential. I don't think Nintendo need to rush into anything. And let's face it, they don't. So that's not the way they do things. Um, I think First things first, get Star Fox sixty four on the Wii U Virtual Console, um, and that's a that's a toe in the water of of what the response is to it.
0: As I say, I think uh, they might balk at putting. Um, obviously, they've never put uh, any Super FX games on Virtual Console, possibly for emulation reasons, and possibly they never put Star Wing on European Virtual Console because it doesn't stand up very well. Um, whether they'll yeah, whether they'll hold back. Star, uh, Star Fox 64 as we might get now um, as they do tend to give us the US versions on Wii U Virtual Console that would be good but I think all the while the 3D version is available for download and, and on cartridge for 3DS they might hold it back Hope to be proved wrong. I would certainly very boring, but quick answer. I would love a, a full-blown um, Star Fox Three. Let's call it. Or hey, let's. Uh, how about how about my favourite uh, a prequel called Star Fox Zero uh, on the Wii U, um, <laughs> HD graphics um, and give that made, one to Riri, Yeah, yeah, uh, <laughs> for sure. Uh, or Namco. Um, no. Uh, by absolutely one of Nintendo's crack in-house EAD, you know, their absolute best development squads, um, you know, like the kind of people who put the Pikmin 3 together or something like that. So it would look absolutely stunning. Play every bit as well um, as, as Star Fox 64. Perhaps do something interesting but not intrusive with the gamepad, certainly off TV
3: play. Um, and yes, I'd lap that up. And slippy. Save me. That's all he ever says, isn't it? Just save me. Just get stuck in a tree or something. I don't know. Um, I, I think a <laughs> tree. I think Nintendo are scared of releasing a Star Fox game in today's industry. Uh, I think Miyamoto said on um, on some interview that he was even kind of scared of releasing a new F Zero game because is the franchise even you know relevant mm. in today's industry? Yeah. And I think them crowbaring, not crowbaring, but you know putting that mechanic into Mario Kart, sort of. It, you know, it rings true that the fact that did they release an F Zero game, or did they just put that element into Mario Kart and that's what they did? I think it's the same after like lukewarm sales of the 3DS version of their best, you know, game in the series, but like, it only reached like point seven three, you know, not even a million copies are sold. So, you know, they must they must look at that and go right, assault sold like rubbish. You
1: see, to me, that's that sounds like good sales. A, a a million sales, nearly, you know, three quarters of a million. Of a of a re-release of a game on a on a console that when it came out on the console wasn't selling gangbusters.
0: Mm-hmm. That sounds the development like cost of something it. like that can't be uh, extraordinary either, can it? No, you know? But, yeah,
3: but so. when you say Lila Wars*, in you know with updated yeah. graphics and stuff, it, you think it'd sell? You know, like Nintendo numbers. It obviously didn't hit Nintendo numbers, and they're... Very reluctant to put another yeah. game out.
1: Is is it a question of a very uh, vocal and voracious supporter group, but it's actually quite a small. Uh, yeah, mm. maybe a small. Group yeah, so of people uh, who have such fun memories. But
3: about. I would love to see a proper sequel. Who wouldn't to Lala Wars mm. slash Star Fox sixty four? Um, yeah, I think it's a, it's the Metroid thing. Like Metroid Over M, just tanked and it was a horrible game. So I think Nintendo are sort of taking their time and understanding yeah. what went wrong with those games. If if they do that kind of thing, I'm sure they do and. I, th- I think they just bide in their time, and you know I, there are there are a million and one things I'd like to see done with the Star Fox license, like you know an MMO, oh that'd be good, and stuff like that, but uh, mm. or uh, like an, an FT, uh, like a rogue like where you're flying around in space and land on planets and stuff like. Mm. <laughs> do that you know I mean like? I just, but they all sound like bad ideas. And looking back on my mother's philosophy of just because you've got an idea doesn't mean you have to cram it in. Sort of, maybe they need to just go back to basics and. Look at what made the How about a TV show with puppets. <laughs> <laughs> but the, the thing is, they can do this kind of game again. Um, Kid Icarus Uprising. If you take the flying levels alone, they're amazing. They're, they look amazing. They play really well. They're really funny. And, very self-referential. It does all the things that Lilith Wars did in terms of comedy, uh, gameplay. But the problem with Kid Icarus is that it landed on the ground, much like Star, um, you know, Fox did in Star Fox Assault, and the game just falls apart with the on foot mechanics. Um, but I reckon they should hand it over to Hal Labs, Sakurai, and, uh, just say, look, took what you learnt from Kid Icarus Uprising, uh, and just, just make a, a cracking on-rail shooter again, and, uh, do it just as good as you did with, uh, Pit, because, uh, not enough people have played that game. And I haven't completed it, but I've played enough, like three quarters of it, to know that the 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 on rails going away from the camera mechanic is just as good as Lilac Wars. It is superb.
0: According to the ever, ever reliable VG charts, with a pinch of salt, Star Fox sixty four, and that includes Lilac Wars, sold four million, and uh, SNES version sold three million. Which you and what know, what about these what are, about
2: the the adventures assault and stuff?
0: Oh, down yeah. to two, and then one. And yep. command sold off well, diminishing
4: returns.
1: Again, just <laughs> I keep playing games and realizing that all the games that I I enjoy the most Antaxels. are games from a, a few years ago. they this year releases this year have been have paled in comparison. And yes, I have the ability to cherry pick some of the best games of all time. Um, but this 3DS release, I can quite happily see myself going back to it time and time again. Um, mm. Just fantastic game. And I, I do If if risk is the concern, which obviously is for Nintendo, the irony is that Star Wing, Star Fox came from a, a really experimental yeah. mindset for Nintendo, and they, and, I, and Alliance as well. Yeah, I don't yeah. think they've been that experimental since, you know, not in
0: in that way. Well, it's the industry, you know, the industry's got safer and safer for obvious reasons. And Um, and
1: now they have the ability to make a download game and they could make it cheap, they could make it a Star Fox game, they could... You know, they've got Nintendo Directs, they've got the ear of the fans who mm. own their systems. They can build some hype around something that may be quite a small game with, you know, limited scope and and start injecting some life back into to the Star I Fox franchise. I think
2: you sort of have to feel as well that if they did put another game out, it would have to be targeted at the 3DS, purely just from the install base to get sales numbers as well, which is, you know, yeah, perhaps... Possibly, yeah. The,
0: but then the it could be a, a Pikmin 3-type deal where they just make a... I mean, I'm not saying Pikmin 3's you know, done anything to reverse the ailing mm. fortunes of the Wii U, but it does raise its cachet in, in the hearts and minds of Absolutely. all gamers, because it's, it's an awesome, beautiful, brilliant game, and another Sadly, one of those wouldn't go in this. know, the
2: hearts and minds of gamers don't necessarily convert beautifully into cash flow, and... You know, for Nintendo, the 3DS is a massive seller, so you would think that if they're putting something out like that, given how well-received the, yeah. the, the, the Lila Wars remake is, that we'd maybe get it on the 3 Not that I'm against it being on the 3DS, but like you said, it would be nice to have something a bit more spectacular in HD on your TV. Mm. And I th-
0: so, uh, we are very much approaching the end of Volume 2 of the Kane and Rince podcast. Just a few issues to go. Tom Clancy, Splinter Cell Chaos Theory next week with James and Carl, I believe, and some other fine peoples, Fahrenheit and Indico Prophecy, Super Meat Boy, L.A. Noir, Psychonauts, and Heavy Rain make up the rest of this season, if you will, year-long season. Please continue to support us by subscribing, reviewing, and rating us on iTunes. Uh, you can find uh, Cana Rince t-shirts and iPad covers and hoodies and things like that at canaerinse.spreadshirt.co.uk. Please come join the Kane and community and have your say at com slash forum. We'd be particularly interested to hear what you think should happen next uh, as regards to the Star Fox franchise, if anything. Uh, naturally, we have Facebook, Twitter and YouTube presence, uh, but you can find links to everything at KaneandRince.com. So it just remains for me, Fox McCloud, to thank Peppy Hare, Falco Lombardi and Slippy Toad and say it's time for us to go now.